Please hold while I transfer your call. Hello, the bulimic. How can I help you? Chef Levy. Sheriff Levy? Chef Levy. Jeff Levy. I'm a vomit lover. What does that mean? You know, I, I'm into a metaphilia. I like girls getting sick. Can you help me with that? No, I can't. You want to get involved to help people who are sick. Seeing girls vomit, I get turned on. Okay, I'm ending the call now. This is inappropriate. That's what I like. That's what I want to be a part of. Bulimic <laughs> may help you. I'm a vomit lover. That is something I am not going to talk to you about. Can you help me with that? What is it that you need help with, Jeff? But do, do, girls like, do girls like to get sick? Maybe believe it. No, chicks. they don't like to get sick. Seeing girls vomit, I get turned so on. Off the mark. But the question is, are any girls out there willing to accept the likes of me, a 49-year-old man who uh, doesn't have a career, who's out of work, doesn't make much money, obviously, no. and just just likes what he likes? And I think I would need to find a girl who has that same, she has that same fetish. No. No. There is nobody here who can help you. I like to stick their fingers down their throat in an erotic way and I get a hard on from it. First of all, <laughs> nobody likes to stick their fingers down their throat. Second of all, you have really offended me personally. <laughs> Sir, you are an asshole. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yo, welcome to the Skeleton Crew. This is the David Cronenberg Retrospective. What's up? We are in the dungeon. We are here to do this thing. And I am joined by Jamie Jenkins and our special guest host, Dave Z from Banana Lazier. What's up? Hi, everybody. <laughs> Hi, everybody. It's Dr. Z. <laughs> Glad to be here. <laughs> I'm so glad you could join us for this, Dave. Oh, Jamie, me too. I'm so stoked knowing what we're covering and that you're here for it. It's, yeah. It's like, J Alex was just lucky. Not lucky, but um, when he was on The Shining with us, that's probably how he felt. Oh, man, I'm going to be on with someone that's going to be gushing for friggin' two hours. Well, yeah. now that's how I feel. And, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm stoked. She's gushing. <laughs> I, gush, I gush anyway, but... That's a whole other story. <laughs> nice. <laughs> when Jamie said, I want to do a David Cronenberg retrospective, <laughs> that sounds like the most boring thing on the planet to me. The word, the name David Cronenberg sounds boring. <laughs> it just sounds like I'm going to fall asleep here. <laughs> and then somebody said that he's the guy in Jason X who went up to Jason like as if he was going to take him away or something with the soldiers in the beginning? Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. Okay, that made me feel like it was even more boring. <laughs> <laughs> Did not help at all. No. This guy's old. Did anyone tell you about the Nightbreed? Did you see Nightbreed? Mm -mm. Oh, and then forget it. Is that him too? He played a slasher in Nightbreed for that movie. Oh, okay. yeah. Oh, yeah. So everything just sounded like I'd fall asleep and I'd think this is a bad idea. But... <laughs> I said, but Jamie must know. She must know what she's talking about, so let's do this thing. Jamie, why why did you want to do a David Cronenberg retrospective? 
Because David Cronenberg is my absolute all-time favorite director. We chose The Brood, Scanners, and The Fly. Now, are those the absolute three best he's ever done? Um, you know, probably if I was going to pick his absolute best, Videodrome would be in there. But mm-hmm. I have actually talked about that quite a bit on other shows, and I wanted to branch out and do something that I hadn't gotten to talk about before. I will say, however, that Scanners is... I mean, it's notorious for the most amazing head ex- head explosion ever. And um, I love... It's got Michael Ironside, so that's a plus. And it's just... And it's a really cool idea, you know. The Fly is amazing. It's a little bit more mainstream than right. other stuff. And people know it. But it's so incredible that you can't... Like, even if I wanted to go obscure... I would feel really bad leaving that out because I think it is one of his best films. And The Brood, I just think, is just awesome. The thing I love about Cronenberg is that he his body horror, which actually he doesn't like the term body horror. He prefers the term venereal horror. And um, something that... Like a disease? Something that, yeah. Something that's <laughs> pretentious, you know, but I kind of dig it. You know, I'm, I'm into that. But basically, his themes traditionally involve... Uh, you losing control of yourself, losing who you are, or something horrible going wrong with your body and basically taking over. And I, I like those because it can get into you. I mean, you know, it, it's if you can imagine something like another good one of his is Shivers, or also known as They Came From Within. Wait, Daniel Harris was in Shiver. Not Shiver. Shiver. <laughs> um, and that was his first feature film. And it's all about these slugs that invade your body and then turn you into this crazy sexual beast. And so it, there's always – and then there's Rabid, which he did, which also involves crazy sex. And then Videodrome, and, and which does too. And so his themes just tend to run that way. And um, Jamie, have you seen every movie he's ever made? Yes, except for – uh, there was a recent one. I even watched – he did a short film recently that was online, and I watched that. Um, but there was there's one that I haven't seen, and I can't remember the name of it, which is why I haven't seen it. But pretty much, yeah. I mean I, I am all over his catalog, and some are stronger than others. You know, and lately – in later years, he's gotten away from horror. He did A History of Violence, which is still amazing, um, Eastern Promises. So, like, he has – as he's grown as a filmmaker, he's gotten away from horror. I would love for him to come back. Because I think that that I think that he gets it. I think he understands. He is the one director who is guaranteed to be able to skeeve me. Like he he can really just make me go. Ugh. And I'm going to actually talk about a perfect scene that's an example of that in one of the films that we're discussing. So I'm sure I know what it is. All of those maybe all of those reasons. <laughs> when you say what it is, I will say if I was right. Okay. Plus, he is not afraid to kill a kid, which I can respect any director yeah. who is willing to go to those places some directors don't go to some directors will kind of pull back and they won't go for something really horrific but he's not afraid of that so i have mad respect for that i'm okay with killing kids also (laughs) i love oh yeah well you know i am oh you mean videotaping it for fake oh i'm sorry yes right me too i i'm with alex though i'll tell you what i've avoided cronenberg i've seen some i haven't seen a lot i've seen some i've seen the brood more than once and i've seen the fly three times and since it came out so it's been a while, and I never had an interest in video drone or scanners. Even I own scanners, never watched it. Never had it. It just seemed too sci-fi-ish to me. However, 
I, and and also I kind of have an issue with body horror. It's 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 sometimes for me that's the one thing that's difficult for me to watch sometimes. And, See, exactly. Uh, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's good. Yes, it is good, but it's, it's hard. It can be really disturbing. Yes, but it, because some of it's disturbing, I like some things that are disturbing in certain ways, but like I won't love a movie because it's too disturbing sometimes. And some of the body horror type stuff has done that to me. You know, like Antichrist, I wouldn't call it body horror, but you've seen that movie, Jamie? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, the stuff that goes on with both of their freaking genitals towards the end of the movie. <laughs> yes. It just, it just, it, it makes me, I, I'm curious because I think it's it's an excellent film. I would watch it again, but I wouldn't say it's a five-star movie. I would say it's a four-star movie because there's some things in it that disturb me, so it prevents me from loving it. You know what I'm saying? I get you. Okay, so that's my thing with body horror, and Cronenberg just seemed more sci-fi to me than horror, just the titles. But anyway, um, I'm, I'm feeling There's different. some elements in there, because he likes to use science, he likes to use medicine to get his point across, and I think that sort of grounds it in a reality, even though it's completely outside reality, <laughs> it, it, uh, like, like with Existence, you know, um, which is all about video games. And like with the video games of the future where you're porting directly into your spinal column to be able to play in virtual reality, basically, only it's like real reality. So, I mean, he 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 does use those scientific and medical things to sort of ground his film. So I can totally see that, you know, but yet he brings the horror uh, at the same time. You know what? I feel differently about him after watching these three movies, though. So and I'm, All right. I'm, well, I guess we'll see how differently you feel. Yeah, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch Video Drone now. I'll tell you that much at least. So, yeah, I want to watch that too. You should. I really recommend that one. You should. And uh, James Woods is amazing, and Debbie Harry is in it, and she's amazing, and um, it has some really cool themes too. So. You know, The Dead Zone too. I saw The Dead Zone growing up because it was Stephen King, of course. Oh, me too. And I was never much into it. I like to go back and watch it now. It's been years. Maybe I'll like it more. But I guess uh, holding it up to uh, King's other works that have come to film especially around that time it just didn't really hold up for me personally but now I yeah you know what me neither i didn't didn't think it was that i remember watching i wasn't that amazed Uh, but did you ever see the ned zone with uh the simpsons (laughs) treehouse of heart bring that up (laughs) yes (laughs) (laughs) no beer and no tv make homer something something. (laughs) don't mind if i do So my perspective on this retrospective is I saw The Fly, I guess probably when it came out. I had a very vivid memory of it. Vivid means good, right? It just means clear. Okay. Like you remembered it well. Because I'm just used to vivid video, the porno. Oh, yeah, yeah. So clear, good. We get to see those girls clearly. Awesome. (laughs) Or bright. Colorful. (laughs) So I had a vivid memory of the fly. I I remembered the fingernails. I remembered the horrific scene at the end, what he did to the guy. I remembered sort of what he looked like, things like that here and there. So I must have seen it. I'm going to say just like Dave, two to three times. The only difference is I have not seen it in about 20 years. So that's that's with that. Uh, these other scanners, I always heard of it. I remember Wayne's World. You ever see that scene on scanners where the dude's head exploded? <laughs> yeah. That's all I remember. That's all I know of scanners. And uh, and then watching Adam Green's Holliston, he made. I think they did that in the first episode to right before the credits. He made Joe's head explode, and I do know the reference. Um, 
And it's interesting because it still shocked me, and I'll tell you why when we get to it. And that's it. And The Brood, I think I remember seeing a clip of this movie in, um, what's it called? Something Something's 100 Scariest Moments. Oh, was it uh, Bravo? Yes. Let me say one thing about Scanners, if I may, and the head exploding scene. I saw that. Uh, Jamie, I know you've seen this. And, and it's funny because we talked about it on Banana Laser recently, but in the same type of situation. But uh, Terror in the Isles, you've seen that, right? Oh, Jamie? yeah. I've got okay. that actually on VHS. And I saw awesome. it in the theater. I saw it in yes. the theater. Yes. It's great, right? I love it. Okay. Well, do you remember how they did it, how they kind of did things – I was talking about this on our show, but they when they were showing the bits and pieces of the different movies, they were having like different little like uh, what do you call it? Um, almost like montages from different movies. Uh-huh. And okay, one of them they did when a stranger calls, and they played it perfectly. They showed the first phone call early in the movie, then they showed another one later. Then at the end of the movie, uh, at the end of um, what's the movie we're talking about? Um, Scanners? No, 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 no. The other when one. A stranger calls? No, no. Uh, and the Terror Isles. in the Isles. Terror in the Isles. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm the idiot here. Shit. Yeah, I'm a fuck. I'm rambling. Um, <laughs> I wanted to get it in now because if I didn't, when scanners came, I, I may not remember. So glitter, glitter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. So um, yeah. In that movie, they played it perfectly because at the very end of that movie of Terror in the Isles, that's when you hear that that famous thing: the calls are coming from inside the house. Okay. And I thought that was that worked perfectly, and I wish the real movie would have been that way, but mm-hmm. but it wasn't. Okay, now they did it in this movie. They were showing all kinds of drama, and they were showing the tension of that part leading up to the head explosion scene. And the way they played it up and the music they played, you know how the guy's shaking in the beginning and everything else, and it's going on? They played it up slowly throughout that montage, and at the end you see the explosion. So I always thought that that was going to be at the end of the movie. Like, that was right. the climactic moment of that movie. Wouldn't you know, you know, and I sat down to watch it and saw that it it was right at the beginning. I was like, holy shit, it just totally fucking, you know. That's the same thing Alex said. Is it? Really? Yeah, yeah don't you remember? You said, you said, <laughs> you because remember. you didn't expect it to be so soon. Oh, right. Jamie, I'm trying to save it for the show. No, just kidding. <laughs> I, just, I guess I just added to it then. I was just saying I shared the experience of Alex, but in a different way. That No, it's exactly the way. I I knew that it was coming, but I never in a million years thought it would happen right away. And even when it was leading toward, towards it and that you could see something sort of going on, I still figured maybe it was just something else. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know? So, so that was cool. <laughs> so that's our intro to the David... Boringberg, no, it's kidding. The David Cronenberg retrospective that is going to be anything but boring. So we'll be right back with The Brood, which I said to Jamie, The Broad. And The Brooding. The Brooding. I said Brooding, (laughs) Brooders, maybe. Isn't there a movie called Brooding? No, it's just that's what I do with my life. (laughs) (laughs) No, uh, I, I said The Broad. And a bunch of stuff. But it's 1979, The Brood, and this is uh, a crazy one. So we'll be right back with The Brood. And I'll be right back with The Broad and Dave Z. Nice. (laughs) Hi, this is Catherine Isabel. I thought being stuck to Freddy vs. Jason was bad. This shit's probably going to be worse. You're listening to The Skeleton Crew. (laughs) 
It's the Onion Radio News. A mugger can't believe the crap on his victim's MP3 player. This is Doyle Redland reporting. Following the successful mugging of a jogger in Boston's Franklin Park, petty criminal Derek Mesker announced today that he cannot believe the he found on his victim's Philips 20-gigabyte MP3 player. Wow. The incredulous felon had this to say after scrolling through the playlist. Oh, the counting crows. Man, I'm so glad I pistol with that motherfucker. I hope I heard his sorry ass. After going on for several minutes about the dubious value of Three Door Down and Maroon 5, Mesker then looked for a suitable place to toss the player's gay-ass neoprene case. Doyle Redland for The Onion Radio News. Okay, this is The Brood, 1979, David Cronenberg is the writer and director. This movie stars, unfortunately it's first build only, but I think I can get the main people in here. Oliver Reed plays the doctor, Hal Raglan. Um, (coughs) Samantha Egger plays Nola, that's the wife of the main guy. Yeah, New Orleans, Louisiana. That's all I kept thinking of the whole time. Art Hindle plays Frank, which is the main guy, I believe. Yes. Okay. Uh, is there? Oh, and the kid, Cindy Hines, plays Candace, and that's all we should really focus on as far as as who's in this, because uh, otherwise it just gets too convoluted. All right. So <clears throat> the synopsis is. A man tries to uncover an unconventional psychologist's therapy techniques on his institutionalized wife while series of brutal attacks committed by a brood of mutant... <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering brutal. where that came in. Was brutal spelled B-R-O-O-D-A-L? <laughs> That's what I would have done. I been brutal clever. attacks. It's yes. very clever. See? Thank you. See? <laughs> and accurate. Yeah, that's that's why brutal attacks. Yeah, and accurate, more ways than one. Yeah, no pun intended. Brutal, uh, committed by a brood of mutant children. And it's funny, I didn't know what a brood was actually. Even by the time this was over, uh, a brood of mutant children coincides with the husband's investigation. What they're trying to say is, um, during the movie, people get killed, and <laughs> it coincides because it's all the people in the life of him. His wife and the doctor. So, <clears throat> so, how do we start a movie like this? Talking about a movie like this. Um, well, I think this is a good example of how what I was talking about earlier. How Cronenberg likes to go outside. Like he reaches outside. He he starts with something normal like psychology, and then he takes it to a physical level. So what we have here is this doctor who has he's known for being unconventional, but. It, once they once Nola's husband begins to dig into what's going on with her, because basically she is at this commune kind of thing. I mean, she's basically staying with the doctor. She's not allowed to see anyone. She's not allowed to leave. She's in complete seclusion, and it's important for her therapy. But what we find out is that his patients are becoming um, disillusioned with his practice because they're showing physical uh, – it's manifesting itself physically – within them and to a harmful point so we uh we meet one who 
one of his patients, the guy, the redhead guy with the beard, who has um, he gets these boils like all over. And the doctor, what he does is he like forces them to role play or, or relive memories, and then it starts to manifest itself physically. And then one of the other people that we meet, uh, that the husband tracks down and meets, is is a former patient of his, Throat boy, who has, and that's it. That's the scene. When he, when he unveils the throat tumor, I wow. I can't even look at it. I, ca- I can't I can't look at it. it I couldn't see it too well. Yes, they don't even give it a close up, really, do they? No. The, it's bad no. news for me, and it's just mm-hmm. um, I don't I, I don't like fleshy, unnatural things. You know, like fl- I don't I don't even like like I have an issue with holes and things like hun- like honeycombs and the underside of mushrooms and fungus and things like that. They just really freak me out. And there's actually a clinical term for this. Um, I, a, I have no issues phobia. with holes, by the way, and they do not freak me out at all. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't have any I mean, issues with mushrooms either. It's a real phobia. <laughs> uh, but for the, the way that this looks is sort of striated and just gross looking. And I, I mean, it's not slimy gross or anything like that. It just, the pick, like, I don't know, just imagining that thing. It's almost like a, just a, a striated goiter sitting on the front of his It looks throat. like a gash on his throat. I was about to fuck and, it. And uh, it's disgusting. <laughs> gross. <laughs> anyway, it's disgusting. So anyway, what we did, what he finds out is that these people are, and they're actually, he's starting a class action lawsuit. He wants to sue the doctor for what he's done to him physically. Now, how do they know that just talking to a guy and reenacting as if you're his mom, you're his dad, how do they know that that would be any reason that a big gigantic gash is on your throat or that you have boils? Well, I guess, well, as far as the boil guy is concerned, there are scenes when you can actually watch them start to pop up when he's talking. So, um, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if they actually ever explain how they knew that that was the cause of it. But I guess it's just sort of a, you know, rule out kind of thing. Like, what what has changed in your life and what have you been doing? And then maybe he's watched the progression of it over time as he's been involved in... Um, was it psychotronics cyclotronics like i can't remember the actual name of it but um this you know basically new age uh, psychological thing that he's doing and so i guess this guy has been paying attention that at the more he's involved in this the worse it gets and so they put two and two together and and there you have it but neither of those guys compare to what's going on with nola because nola is uh she is physically involved beyond anyone's imagination and that all of her rage all because she grew up in an an abusive home her mother was an alcoholic still is um to the point that it basically ran her father off um her father never protected her from her mother so she was uh she was always at the mercy of her mom's moods and her alcoholism and and she was just brutally abused and so she has all this pent-up rage all this anger, all this sadness, and all of those negative emotions have begun to manifest in a way that no one really expected. They should have called this Manifesto. That would have been a great title. (laughs) (laughs) And we first come in contact with one of these manifestations uh, at her mother's house when her daughter is visiting the grandmother, the alcoholic, who, by the way, is an alcoholic there with the daughter she cracks me oh, up yeah yeah like totally. you know pour the kids some bourbon what are you <laughs> she is just knocking them back the whole time she's there awesome and she hears a disturbance in the kitchen did you notice this it cracks me up she's on the floor with a little girl she hears a loud bang from the kitchen and she just kind of looks up and goes eh, and then goes back to what she's doing 
And then she hears another loud bang, and then she's like, oh, like maybe I should check that out. I'm like, how many loud-ass noises do you need to hear from one end of your house before you think something might be up? Yeah, there wasn't even a cat there. I guess if she had a cat or something, but no, she's like, I think I stacked the dishes wrong or something. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Who the fuck does that? They go, how high is the stack? coming through your house. What are you talking about? Now, that poses a great question now. Jamie, if you were alone in the house and you knew nobody was there, and it was at nighttime, you're right about to go to sleep, you have like a little book out, candle next to you, and you heard a fart, would you laugh or be afraid? She'd run. Uh, I'm a runner. I am. He pegged me right there. There would be a Jamie-shaped hole in my wall. Uh, let me tell you. Well, you've heard the story about when I was living alone in my apartment, and I saw that strange shadow mm-hmm. peeking out from around my bathroom door. We talked about that on the Haunted episode. Mm-hmm. I hauled ass. It was 3 o'clock in the morning. I grabbed my shoes, grabbed some clothes, <laughs> and then just took off. Like, I went to my friend's house at 3 o'clock in the morning and started banging on her door. Because I run. I am not I am not sticking around. And my joke was, I wish I was your friend. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, <clears throat> so... So, yeah, she just acts so like, well, well, let's not jump to that quite yet. Let's start from the beginning with this. We won't go too in-depth because we have a lot of movies to do. But, um, you know, so the opening scene is uh, you see the doctor, how he communicates with his patients. He basically makes them – I don't know how it, what kind of technique or how they're – how they sell it to themselves exactly. But they talk to him as if he is one of the people – who are causing them issues in life pretty much like if you like 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 the way I would probably have to talk to my dad I would talk to him like he's my dad and then say all the things that my dad has done to mess me up I would say it to him and it becomes therapeutic but they seem to do it to a degree where they sort of believe in it in a weird way and it's weird to me because when they ask specific questions this guy can't really answer any of these things because he doesn't even know that it happened. Like when he had no idea that Nola's father never protected her. He was saying, why are you saying that? And then she kept saying, and why did you do this? Why did you do that? He can't answer. Yeah, but then he would twist it and he would use that in his fucking routine as playing her father. The next time they would talk, boom, he would, he would, you know what I mean? He would go into their role. Yeah, like he's learning. Oh, sure, yeah. He's learning about her background from her talking to him, and then he'll use that the next time to be like, you know. And, and yeah, I mean, you're right. Her voice would change even when she was talking to her father, which was actually Oliver Reed. But when she was talking to her father, her voice would change. She sounded like a little girl. I mean, she was she was there. She was in the moment. She was totally believing uh, that, sh- that that was her father that she was talking to. Mm-hmm. It's weird. Uh, but it's, it's, it's cool. I mean, I guess he hypnotizes them. So uh, basically, uh, the, the whole premise of the movie is that the dad wants his daughter to never visit the mom while she's going through the therapy because she's coming home <clears throat> with, uh, like, punch marks, bite marks. Oh, yeah, bite marks, scratches. Yeah. Somebody – when he was giving her a bath, he discovered that someone was beating the hell out of his little girl, and he assumed it was her mother. Right. You know, so he, that's the that's the major premise of the whole movie, and uh, you are to believe that the mom is doing it, um, and the doctor's covering it up. Like, here's the thing: did you guys trust this doctor throughout the movie? I mean, Jamie's like way too into it. So, Dave, like you're more unfamiliar, and I'm way unfamiliar. So, I'll say, 
I actually went back and forth on it. He never really did anything to to make me not trust him, but I was suspicious. What did you think? Did you think this was like an evil thing, like the fucking uh, uh, sacrament? <laughs> or did you think <laughs> there, there was something legitimate going on here? No, I was definitely suspicious of him. Absolutely. Um, whether or not I believed he was evil and you know completely, definitely up to no good... I wouldn't say definitely, but I, I was uh, very suspicious. You know, someone put a gun to my head in the middle of the movie and said, hey, the first time I watched it, and said, is this guy in on it? Is he doing damage or is he not? I would say he, he is. Right. You know, they don't give you a reason to, they don't give you a reason to completely believe it, but you see how his methods are and you know they have to be hypnotized because he could switch to anybody anytime he wants and they just take it. So you're like, well, something's kind of fishy here. Yeah, he has a little too much power over them. Yeah. I do feel like his motivation is pure at the base of it. Like, I don't think he intends to do anything evil, but I feel like he once he saw what was taking place, the responsible thing to do would be to pull back. And I think he was so fascinated with the scientific side of it, with what he was able to do. He didn't stop to think if he should. You know, and, and so he was just – he got sucked in as a lot of scientists do. You know, you see what you're doing, and this happens in movies all the time. You know, you see what you're doing. You see that it has a bad response, but right. you are so compelled by your curiosity and what you're discovering that you keep going with it. You know, you're sort of – you can't help yourself. And I think that that's really where he lies. I don't. It's like Frankenstein. Had, yeah, exactly. I don't think he had – bad intentions going in but i think that he was irresponsible and that he allowed it allowed it to continue because he was curious himself you know what i think maybe he was afraid of the brood he couldn't leave uh, he well and you see later that he really is like he um he when he's talking to the father he's like you know you have to basically keep her happy you have to keep her mellow <laughs> don't piss them off you know, because if she gets right. pissed off, they get pissed off. And he was going to try to go in there and to go into the room where they were. And he's like, you don't get her pissed off because he knows what they're capable of. All right. Well, yeah, he has to stay on her good side. What if he turned her into something and, and turn, you know what I mean? The brood will come after him. He's probably thinking. So maybe oh, sure. he, maybe his intentions were genuinely good. And this was a good, uh, you know, uh, you know, crazy therapy. But it was maybe it was working to a degree with some people. But, uh, you know. Straight up, he might have just been afraid of the brood when he saw what they were capable of. He's like, "Well, I'm—I guess this is my life now." You know, I'm stuck. <laughs> and he was afraid of that broad when he saw the shit coming out of her stomach. <laughs> Which yeah. is another scene. I'm sure that's probably the scene you were referring to, and that—that that one does kind of get me too. It's yeah, yeah. I was wrong. Alex, there was some stuff in here that was kind of—you're right. I just yeah. Because I look at this movie differently than I look at The Fly. The Fly just seems more in your face and it's overdone. I don't know. It's hard to explain, I guess, because there's so many different elements to this movie. Um, I just – I guess it doesn't – didn't have the same effect on me. You know what I mean? But, yeah, looking back on it, I'm like, oh, now that we're talking about it, there are some pretty fucked up – yeah, skeeved out things. Oof, yeah. Well, here's the one thing to to help Dave's argument. There, there are reasons he would have chosen – that the guy is evil when he put a gun to his head. It's because even scenes like when, you know, he says, I want to take the daughter away. She's getting, you know, the shit kicked out of her. The guy's like, you can't do that at this critical stage. And then the guy's like, hey, her mom died. I have to tell her. And he's like, no, you can't. She's at a far too critical stage. There just seems to be way too much involvement, way too much control and power over her. And that cannot be a well-meaning thing. 
most well, of think, the time. I think Dave's theory comes into play there because I think at that point he knew that if anything set her off, then someone's going to die. Like that, anytime she has any kind of negative feeling, then the brood goes out and they take care of business. And um, I think that he's at this point he's just like I don't ever want her to be upset for any reason whatsoever. So you have to keep her daughter here because that makes her happy. And you cannot tell her her mother is dead. You can't. You're just like just don't do anything. Just don't fuck anything up because. It's dangerous. But that makes sense once you know it all. Right. It doesn't make – before it makes sense, it looks like he's up to some shit. Oh, totally. Totally. So Mm -hmm. uh, there's a a major glaring omission that is a major plot hole in this movie, which renders the whole thing almost – What? Yeah. Oh, damn it. At the end. But should I say now or at the end? Go for it. Now you piqued my interest. I got to know. What is it? Yeah, I'm curious. Well, he understands the power. He knows He knows what, ha- like Jamie said, the responsibility. You know, he's responsible pretty much because he is, he, think about it. He's the cause. He knows that he's the cause of the physical manifestations. And he's the reason that she births these uh, freaks, right? And mm-hmm. he, he knows that anytime she has a problem with anybody, those things will just take off and go after them and kill them. And he knows that. He's, he's, he's in fact, responsible for the, the lives of these people who die. Now, here's the, the major thing. If he's not into this, he's, he wants the daughter to go back and be safe, and he wants, hey, yeah, I keep these people good so I can get them. I have a gun. Not for you, Dave, David, or whatever that guy's name was, the, the dad, but it's for these things, because we all thought he was going to kill the dad with that gun. But instead... He knew what's up, and we didn't know that at the time, and it was for those things because he wants things to go right. Now, here's the problem with this. If you know this, why are you providing a place for her to do this, harbor this, continue this, and everything else, and house these people and and let let this all take place and continue to breed more and more and more. There's had to be 20 of these fucking things. Why didn't you just blow their heads off when they got upstairs or cut their throats or whatever and possibly kill this, this lady, Nola? Why did you continue to breed the breeding? It just doesn't make any sense. I think... Um well, I think it's just... It's one of those situations where you find yourself deep in it and you're so deep there's like it's like a point of no return for one if he had to be careful uh about keeping making sure that she stayed there and they stayed there because if anyone found out his career is over i mean he's not only that but he's probably up for some charges for something crazy um and then as far as killing them I honestly don't know. I mean, I think I, I honestly think he should have done that as soon as he realized that something dangerous was happening. Uh, but I get the idea that, you know, the time that they attacked her mother was probably the first time they had done anything like, well, OK, they did attack the little girl. But I don't think he knew about that. Yeah, um, but how about this? Maybe it was too late. Maybe by the time he found out about the brood, there was too many of them. Maybe this was going on under his nose or it was going on even before she was in that treatment. Who's to say it wasn't? Uh, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, really. Why not? Now we we do know they have a vulnerability too. They have that little fleshy sack at the at the base of their at the base shoulder of their blades. neck or their shoulder blades, right? <laughs> uh, 
Um, and that is their vulnerable spot. Um, so, and we do know that. However, I don't know if he knows that. Like, I don't know what he knows. Although when he does go to shoot them eventually, he does aim, like he shoots them like between the shoulder blades. You know, that's where he heads for. So, uh, you know, I don't know. I think it's just, he, I think he got into it. He was too deep into it. Didn't know what to do. So it's one of those situations where you just try to tread water until you figure out how the hell to get out of it. Um, so maybe he was just figuring, let me just keep her here for a while. Let me keep this going for a while. I, I don't think there's any way to stop it at this point. Like he can't, I don't think he can stop her from doing what she's doing or from, from basically giving birth. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know. It's, I, I, it's this, fear. To be the honest. Answer is fear. To, to be on, and I agree with that. And, and I think to be honest, the doctor is kind of all over the place and he's sort of a mystery here in a lot of ways. Uh, and, um, there's a lot of stuff that never gets completely fleshed out. Well, here's, but just to counterpoint Dave's one answer that, or maybe Jamie said it, that, um, she could have been breeding these things before. And then he, you know, he met her in the midst of it, but we, that can't be true because the whole idea of these, the, the body manifestation thing is that it happens with the doctor's, uh, method of, of helping people. Well, maybe. What if? What if it was already happening because she is some gifted type thing or whatever? She was some special type thing, and when he started it with her, it, it caused it caused multiplicity. No, it can't be. It can't be because the husband would have known this, and he had he was clueless to the whole idea. And if he's married to her until she went into this therapy, and then re- did not know about it, then there's no way it could have happened before. Because that that daughter is only five. I mean, he would have known. Yeah, maybe maybe she kept it a secret, or maybe they were separated. Maybe there's ways because we're talking about you know things that are supernatural. So when it comes to supernatural shit, the way I look at it, and anything is kind of possible. No, I think it's clear that she is more susceptible to his methods, and I, I think more susceptible than he expected her to be. And uh, so she already had. I think she had a predisposition for this. At the very least, you know, like because as we've seen with the other patients, they didn't manifest anything like this. You know, I mean, one of them had some boils and he was kind of miserable with that. But the other one had cancer. He was totally miserable with that. But be I mean, my daddy. Like, will you be my daddy? My daddy won't be my daddy. My sorry, daddy won't be my daddy. Nobody will be my fucking daddy. Shut the fuck up. This right? is a completely different, uh, you know, this is way beyond either of the p- other people that we've been involved with. So um, I think it's there's something about her going in she's the queen they even said that she's the fucking queen bee oh yeah right yeah. she is the queen bee and even her daughter's prone to bubbles on her arms like that douchebag mm-hmm. oh, <laughs> unless those are going to grow into pod people <laughs> but you know what Alex? I, I i think i like the movie so much that i'm just trying to fill the plot hole that you came up with maybe and maybe it sounds like i'm reaching but uh, i never thought of that and i've always enjoyed the movie so i'm just trying to say well you know it could be this and it could be that. I mean, they're not. It, it's plausible. Give me that, you know. Yeah. For for the record, that even saying this doesn't bother me. You know, it doesn't mean anything. I, I was just wondering if maybe you had an answer, but uh, that I guess you could say it's a plot hole in a way, but we don't really know whatever led you know how anything got anywhere. So we just don't know. So I can't really say it's a plot hole. I mean, we're plopped down in the middle of this thing, and we ride it out to the end. Right. You know, we don't we don't know exactly how it all began. So I guess you could fill it in, however you see you see fit. Right. You know, whatever works for you. 
you know what? All of his works seems to be that way. There's a lot of room for interpretation. And, and to me, that's the best kind of art. You know, and, and if you can find a piece of art that speaks to 14 different people in 14 different ways, I think that that is successful art. Absolutely. Yeah, and that many criticize it. So that, that's another good thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this movie, I mean, uh, not to jump ahead, but just for the record, I, I, give, this, I give this like a, uh, a four to five. Yay. Do you know how happy that makes me? Really? I mean, one of my favorite things is to introduce people to, to things that they're not familiar with, but I want them to also like them, you know? I mean, so if if I suggest something to someone and they end up hating it or think it's a waste of their time, <clears throat> then um, I will – I feel – you know, I feel bad. Yeah, it, oh, of course. So do I. Like when I told everybody to go buy Camp Dread. No, I was kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, but what? Here, here's one thing I'll say about Cronenberg as a director and, and writer, I guess. I didn't realize he wrote these. Um, the dude is like me in a lot of ways. Not that I'm talented, but if I were to do anything, he doesn't waste a minute. There's not any scene that is something you could go do something else and not pay attention and it doesn't mean anything or you could zone out or shit like that it's just not that consequential it almost appears that every scene is highly consequential and it all moves the story along in a progressive manner and is is fulfilling no matter what pace you want to put these movies at you can't say that you weren't interested with everything that happened yeah, you got to be in on it for this movie. You don't have to be glued to the screen, I don't think. Scanners you do. I don't think with this you do. I think with this you do. I, do you? To a degree, yeah. I, I Not don't as think... much as scanners. I mean, scanners, you can't fucking... 95% of this, maybe. You think and scanners, so, huh? 100%. Yeah. Maybe, I don't know, 90? I don't think any less than that. No, I hear what you're saying. It's just that when you were saying that, I was picturing... That was a point I was going to make... When we, when we did scanners, because that's what I was thinking during it, because that actually kept happening to me. I kept getting distracted and having to go back and rewind and this and that, and I was, you know. But that's scanner. <laughs> but with this, maybe because, honestly, this is like the fourth time I've seen it, so maybe it's different this time. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I guess maybe on the first view, that, that does make sense. Yeah, may, yeah, maybe that's what it is. And that's yeah. a good thing, too. I mean, if I can, if I can, while I'm watching a movie, go to the kitchen and make a sandwich and come back and not have missed anything, then... I don't feel that that's a very successful movie. You know, uh, you need to be well, able to keep me planted and watching and uh, and engaged, you know. So I feel like I'm constantly engaged with this film. Exactly. Even yeah. though I've seen it many times, I've, I feel like I just I, – even though if I know what's coming, I, I just – I'm waiting to see it. You know, like the first time I see it, I'm curious to see it. And then after that, on subsequent viewings, I'm waiting for it, you know, because I know it's coming. And I actually did get distracted while I was watching it for this. I got distracted for a moment. And it was during the neck reveal. And even though that freaks me out, <laughs> yeah. I didn't look at it, I had to, re- I had to rewind right. it and go back. And because I couldn't miss the dialogue that was going on during that whole thing. It's important. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah, that's true. It's, it's all plot points. I wonder if the, the two of you noticed this. I'm going to say something. I want to see if either one of you know what I'm going to say. There's a discussion in this movie about the, you know, the grandmother and grandfather. You know, the grandmother who got killed in the kitchen and the grandfather who got killed in the bedroom. Mm-hmm. There's a discussion about how he had the key to her house. Hmm. Yeah. Do you know what I'm going to say? Fly. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Yep. <laughs> Two movies. Yep. Now... 
we watched two movies for this retrospective directed by the same guy. Both movies talked about the ex-boyfriend and or husband having a key to the woman's place and she never bothered to change the locks. Yeah, that's cool. Well, I wonder if that means something. You know, like maybe there's maybe that actually happened to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How weird. It's so cool that you, that you realize cool, that. Though. It's cool that you brought up because I didn't even – I made the connection as you were explaining it. It hit me obviously and I said, yeah, fly. But yeah, I didn't – you know what I'm saying? As I was watching – um, them, I didn't, you know, that thought didn't occur to me. But yeah, that's cool. Crazy. Yeah. So, uh, what do you guys think of the killers, the um, the little creature kids? They're pretty gnarly looking. They're that's great. Sure. And I they're brutal. Them. They are brutal. Yeah. yeah. What's with the what the fuck is with killing the teacher in front of the kids in school? <laughs> yeah, I mean they they don't give a shit, man. They walk in. <laughs> And uh, just right in front. And what I love is those kids in that classroom, the horrified looks on their faces were priceless mm-hmm. as they're watching. You know, and then one little <laughs> kid runs out yep. and he's like, she's being hurt. She's being hurt. I'm like, dude, she's being fucking slaughtered. Being <laughs> yeah, those are some motherfucking traumatized actors, little actors right there. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. I was actually watching each kid during that scene to see yes. what their reactions were. It was funny. Yeah. And I was looking to see, I was trying to make the uh, connection if, are they shooting this around the kids or the kids there? And when that teacher is laying in a puddle of blood on the floor, they're all there. That's a one shot. And I looked really close to see if there was blood. And yeah, they must have said, all right, kids, ready? Here, look, we're pouring the blood (laughs) on her head. Do you see? Look, look, she's looking and smiling. Hi, guys. I'm good. We're just pretending. Okay, now pour it on my hands, okay? Okay, ready, kids? Now I'm just going to lay back, and you guys act like you're scared of this. You know, they had to have walked them through the motherfucking thing, like held their hands straight through because that's some traumatizing shit, man. Mm-hmm. And, and it was, I'm, I'm sure it was filmed in Canada. It was a very Canadian movie, so. Oh, yeah? Yeah. yeah. Couldn't you tell? Cronenberg is Canadian, so. And right, yeah, I know, right. Yeah, dude, I thought Jason was in New York. <laughs> the fuck do yeah, I know about Canadian? That was very Canadian. <laughs> yes, it was very Canadian. This was very. I could tell because I live, you know, uh, 15 minutes from Niagara Falls. So I grew up uh, on basic cable, or not even. It was when it was free free TV. You know, we had a Canadian station. So I'm, you know, I'm very receptive. To, I, as soon as I hear that accent, I know, and you know, I could yeah. tell when something's Canadian. Oh yeah, right off the bat, absolutely. Hey, do you ever go over the Niagara Falls in a barrel? <laughs> not yet stay tuned <laughs> we have a client who, of, who's in Canada and he calls and he's like yeah Jamie how you doing and I'm like and he actually sounds like he's, like he's very Minnesotan but it's it's like right? that times 10 but uh, he's Canadian I'm like oh hi I was like it, it took me a second to realize who you were I had to wait for your accent to kick in he's like oh yeah we were talking about that earlier yeah we don't have one I'm like oh, yeah. oh you don't and he's like no no I said but I guess I do he goes oh yeah but it's darn pleasant let me tell you <laughs> Yeah, well, okay, so what we find out is that, you know, like we said, Nola, whatever she thinks the broods do, she's like their little, she's her, they're her little servants, I guess. I don't even know if these guys eat or shit or anything. I don't know what they do. <laughs> they're not they wear track suits a lot. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. Who the fuck gets all their clothes for them? <laughs> oh, they're great, though. He apparently buys in bulk from, like, oh, yeah, he does buy them Burlington clothes. Coat Factory or something. <laughs> Burlington Coat Factory. <laughs> Uh, so, um, yeah, he, gets a, he has a Neiman Marcus card in case you want to buy a gift for anyone. <laughs> Basically, the scene I was talking about that skeeved me out in this movie comes around at the end. You, she lifts her her shirt up to show her yummy tummy. 
and <laughs> it's pretty gross looking. And even before you get to what the fuck's sticking out of it, and basically it's a it's a tube with a sack. She cut it open and starts licking the baby clean, and that <laughs> is where I was like, alrighty then. Mm. <laughs> very oh, animalistic. That's very animalistic. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, that's where I started getting grossed out. She didn't eat the placenta. That would have been cooler. She should have fried it and ate it. <laughs> we find out the doctor was an honest dude. He just got caught up in some shit, didn't know how to do anything, and, you know, it, it blew back on him. Things went wrong, whatever. Uh, the mutants killed him because she started flipping out when he was going for the daughter because she figured out that's why the guy was there. She wasn't buying the shit. Oh, then she said, well, I'll have these things attack your daughter because I'm not giving her to you. That That's my daughter and I'm not going to give her to you, so I'll have her killed before you get her. So they did go to kill the daughter, and th- then he said he'll kill her. And luckily for him, once he killed her, they all seemed to die for no real reason. They just died. Well, their, her rage was what born them, what born them, what bore them, and what kept them going. So, well, that and the sack between the shoulder blades. Uh, that, that too. <laughs> so now, Dave, <laughs> would you have killed this bitch? What uh, at one point? At what at what point of the movie? When he did it. When he killed her. Because I was wondering. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah, right? It seemed like the only option. Yeah, of course. You, I would have killed her before that if I could have. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, think about it, you know? I mean, what, what happened with his child and everything? Oh, he doesn't... Oh, you would have killed her just based on the idea that she was beating the child. That would have been... The, that that would have been... I, I wouldn't... That would have set the wheels in motion, that's for sure. <laughs> So that's, that's the movie, and at the end, like I said, you see two little mumps, mees, and whatever the fuck, pox on the fucking kid's arm. I don't know what that's really supposed to allude to, like... Maybe she got treatment from the doctor. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, but that can't be true. I don't know. Then the doctor would be evil if that was the case. Yeah, right. So, <clears throat> that's the movie. Um, like I said, I give it a four out of five, so uh, we know Jamie, this is her retrospective, so you probably give it a five out of five. Um... Yeah, that's pretty solid. I love it. You love it, right? I'll agree with that. And Dave, how do you sit with this? No, I'm right in the middle. I'm four. I'm four point five. Cool. Yay! Yeah, that's my favorite corner. I'm happy, and so is Fester. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, we highly approve of this movie, and you can find. We're not into. uh, I feel so guilty, but it's already on YouTube. So fuck it. It's on YouTube, guys. Check out the brood. Yeah, you didn't put it on YouTube. Yeah, I didn't put it. <laughs> Hi, this is Linnea, and you're listening to the Skeleton Crew. Grundy barfed on his wife's tits. Sorry. The, 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 something twins barfed on each other. <laughs> the Donnelly <night>. twins, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you remember Too that, many Jesus. Times, oh, wait, I, I, was on a, I was on a show the other night, and they asked me if I could have any food. If I was if I was stranded on a desert island and cherry? I could have only two types of, types of food, what would I have? And I said, Pez. Pez. Cherry-flavored Pez. Cherry <laughs> no question they about it. They didn't <laughs> no question about it. <laughs>
You know, I had a trivia question one time, and my friend and I watched that movie so many times. There was this girl that we met in high school, and she, somehow it came up at the lunch table. And she said, hey, I bet I know more about fucking uh, Stand By Me than you. And the two of us looked at each other and said, yeah, okay, whatever, bring it. She said, okay, tomorrow we're going to prepare fucking so-and-so many questions, and you prepare questions for, for me, and we'll see who it is. And, of course... We fucking schooled her so bad. It was, I actually felt bad by the end of it. I was I didn't even want to, you know, ask the questions anymore. Did you ask her like what was the make and model of the Jeep that they were driving? <laughs> what does it say on the gas station uh, <laughs> tanker? No, I actually, had, I, I Johnny Gorder. Yeah, <laughs> I had a darts team that I was captain of called because I used to throw darts. Um, At what? A dart board. <laughs> Oh, oh, and nobody sits in a bar at anybody. You know? I was I was just staying on the oh, side of the road throwing them at, just at threw passing cars. No, I actually I have trophies. I was really oh, good. Get out of here! Was true. And I was the captain of a dart team. One of my teams was called Cherry Flavor Pez. Nice. I don't get it. Oh, well, we just talked about it. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> You're as bad as me. Oh, goldfish. <laughs> you know what? You know what I'm amazing at? I have Everything. a skill that almost. No one else in the world has. Am a master like of Save by the Bell trivia. What? I one time we were at a party. This guy had an app on his phone, Save by the Bell trivia. He asked sixty questions. I got fifty nine right. Wow! Wow, dude! I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm so scared. <laughs> I was almost on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Like I got to the very last. The very like I already had my plane ticket and everything and um like they had they had set up my flight and all of that and then there was one last round of a fastest finger and i got kicked i got knocked out just like oh, i thought you'd be an expert at that right right yeah <laughs> looking, right, i right. got knocked out by a hair but um yeah oh, that was literally. by a cut of hair <laughs> <laughs> we're on the same fucking mind state right you know, I was supposed to be on Rock and Roll Jeopardy. I don't know if you guys remember when they had that, but it was on VH1, and it was Jeopardy, but it was all about music. I do and, remember that. Yeah, well, that that really is my area of expertise, probably more than anything, is uh, is music. So I was going to be on that show, and I went, and I did everything. I was just about to go in for it for the last time, and my fucking dumbass moved out of Las Vegas and moved to Michigan for three months. So I blew it. Yeah, of course, for a fucking, for a woman, as usual, like every. Every wise decision I've made in my entire life. Yeah. Was she black? No, she was one of the last of the um of the pale faces. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you had a pale face? That's weird. You had a round eye? <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow, man. Yeah, oh, yeah, man. Yeah. I'm too white like for you too. No, I like them all. Jeez, I'm just saying. <laughs> Why would you bother with a pale face though? I like them all. That's what I'm saying. I just happen to have a, a – everyone has like a, a, a favorite flavor of ice cream. Just because I love chocolate chip cookie dough doesn't mean that, you know, I might not like fucking, you know, vanilla some other day or, or whatever. Uh, I don't have any – I don't have any specific taste in women. My ass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess yours would be like um, caramel cashew or some shit you could call yourself. Yeah, tan. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. I like that too. Yeah, man. Uh, what are we talking about? Oh, the fly, right? Cronenberg to that somehow. We're talking about the Stephen Cronenberg retrospective. <laughs> <laughs>
My name is Cliff, brother of Joe. I got me some crack. I want me some hoes. Let me hear you say, yeah. Alright guys, now we're going to jump into Scanners, 1981, writer and director David Cronenberg for the David Cronenberg Retrospective. We're doing three movies of his. We just did The Brood. Alright, so the cast, once again, is first build, so i got to think here. I don't even know these people at all. You know Michael Ironside. Yeah, that's the main one, Daryl Revick. He's the main bad guy. Revick. Cameron Vale is the other guy, right? Okay, that's Stephen Lack, the guy who's running around visiting all these people and stuff like that. <laughs> the the doctor is Patrick Moughan, and the girl in the movie, Kim, who teams up with Cameron, is Jennifer O'Neill. So, okay, so this movie is about. <laughs> that's it. Oh, that's a weird. It's one sentence. Oh, I thought you were. I thought you were doing it on purpose as a joke because it's such a fucked up. Crazy, you know, uh, movie. This movie is about, and you were trying to fucking, you know, come up with the right word to describe it. <laughs> no, I'm not that witty. All right, right? It's one. It's one sentence though. A scientist sends a man with extraordinary psychic powers to hunt others like him. That's it. But then, if you go down, you see the storyline. Uh. Daryl Revick is the most powerful of all the scanners, and is the head, no pun intended, of the underground scanner movement. For the world domination. For world domination. Scanners have great psychic power, strong enough to control minds. They can inflict enormous pain and damage to their victims. Dr. Paul Ruth finds a scanner that Revic hasn't and converts him to help their cause, to destroy the underground movement. This was clearly inspired by, the, by thalidomide, which was a drug that was developed to aid women in uh, morning sickness. During during their pregnancies, and it that's where that's where flipper babies come from. This was a drug that it, that that ended up affecting the fetuses, and then they were born horribly malformed and and had all these issues. So that's where the idea for this began. The litamide was the impetus for this idea, and so he basically took that and said, okay, so instead of having flippers, um, these people are born with incredible psychic powers. And then so then it just sort of branched off from there, in which you'll find out there is a revelation toward the end as to um, where two of these guys come from, the two main guys. There is a revelation mm-hmm. about their relationship. But, um, so, but when we first meet him, we 
first shot is Cameron Vale and Maul, right? When he's uh, sitting at the table listening to those women talk, like they, he can read minds, and he can he can hear what they're saying and what they're thinking, and um, they're talking about how you know, oh my God, what a bum he is, and blah blah blah. You know, it's clear that he's been um, he he can't really control his power. He doesn't. He's sort of a rogue, and um, he has been sort of living off the radar. And we get just a very small glimpse of his power at that moment when he hears what these women are thinking about him, and then he basically just gives her a heart attack, you know, just kills her right there, which that just sort of gives you a glimpse into what kind of power we're dealing with. But then even after that, we get a, a bigger glimpse as we go to the symposium where Rivik is, uh, Rivik is on a panel. It, which, which is supposed to be displaying this power, and he goes up. Uh, well, actually, no, he's not. He's in the audience, right, and there's a man. Okay. There's a man on the panel who is a scanner who is who is supposed to be demonstrating his power, and he calls up a random audience member, which just happens to be Revic, and has no idea that he's about to go up against the most powerful scanner there is. He has no idea that this guy even is a scanner. He thinks he's just an audience member, but when he attempts to start scanning him. Revic starts scanning him back, and it's clear that he is the stronger of the two. Because wow. we get the we get the oh. most iconic head explosion in cinematic history, as far as I'm concerned. Awesome, isn't it? Wow! This is like the grandpa of of head explosions. This is so badass. Yeah, and the amazing thing that me and Dave said earlier is that I, we knew. You know, it's it's kind of like Jamie said. It's pretty iconic and everybody knows scanners head explode i think the thing that threw me and dave for a loop is that we had no idea it was going to happen in the first scene so there it still threw us for a loop yet again even though you know about it so that's pretty that's pretty amazing because sometimes when you know about something in a movie you know you come to expect like oh norman's uh the, the killer not his mom his mom is dead then when you find that out you sort of knew it but now you're just watching it this one you knew it but as you're watching, it still kind of got you just because it's so soon. Yeah, and you know what? You guys are going to laugh at me, but whatever. I didn't realize that was Revic that did that to him until now. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Yeah. What? Yeah, I didn't realize. <laughs> I know, right? A lot of people kind of look alike in the beginning of that movie, and I just didn't. It was The movie was a little hard for me to follow, maybe for that reason and for other reasons because the plot's a little convoluted and uh, very intense. But wow, holy fuck. So now, now it's taking shape. Well, did you know that, Alex? Yeah. That it was him? Dave, Dave, don't feel bad. I didn't know that Jack Torrance died in the maze at the end of fucking China. So. <laughs> okay. Uh, did I know? Yeah, I knew. Because I oh, one reason, I know Michael Ironside. Okay, well. and I didn't know why that one guy gave himself the shot either. The doctor gave himself the shot instead of the guy that caused the panic. <laughs> oh, Dave. Now, in retrospect, I'm looking back. <laughs> he was on that same team with the other guy that just came in in charge the whole time. No, Revic, or is that his name? Revic made him. Yeah. Oh, I thought maybe he did it to himself because he was, you know, on the same team. <laughs> you know what I mean? He was, he was you know, yeah. that, but that that guy came into power when he did it, kind of like an Emperor Palpatine type situation. But whatever. Oh, so so Re- Revic made him give the shot to himself. Jamie, you concur? Oh, yeah, the, sure. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's just a, a, one more example of how what powerful he is. I mean, he is the pinnacle okay. of scanner like he can he can so he thinks and so we think up until we see well, that I, I still don't map. know i still <laughs> don't know at the end of the movie what the fuck happened so i don't know oh what, wow what all right well, then, 
I don't get it at the end, honestly. I don't know which one to believe. But anyway, we'll, we'll get to it. I discredited this movie almost right away. And it pissed me off. I just, I hate far-fetched shit sometimes. And I just called bullshit on the idea that two fucking agents who happen to be obsessed and work for scanning shit happen to be at the mall when a homeless guy happened to eat out of a plate and a lady happened to talk about him and he happened to do that to her. Like, what are the fucking He was odds? being followed. They, they... Exactly. I was, I was going to come back and be the hero after being the ass a minute ago. Oh, I tried. <laughs> Man, sorry. So can't. You have to wait First for that. you discredited it, but, when you, but then when you realized that, then you were okay with it, right? Yeah, they said we always knew were we, or we something. Yeah. I mean, he was a rogue and they knew about it and they've been chasing him down. So... Alex, you said you may know about this and you may not, and I hate to be the guy to bring up fucking comics, but this is very similar to fucking X-Men in, in a strange way. Did this come out before the X-Men comic book did, or no? I, know I don't movies. know when the X-Men comic book came out. Yes, the X-Men comic book. The whole idea between the scanners being, you know, the the X-People, whatever the fuck they're called, the mutants. Mutants. Whatever it is. Okay, because uh, it's very similar in, in a couple ways to me. And the whole thing, this, this guy's kind of like the Wolverine. He's kind of the fucking, the rogue, and they all have their different things, and there's different leaders. There's a good one, and there's a bad one, and they all have agendas. Anyway, this, this reminded me, this is the first time I saw it now, and I've seen the X-Men movies, okay? And I'm not an overkill on it. I've seen each of them once. So anyway, whatever. As I'm watching this, I'm, I'm thinking of X-Men. I'm wanting to know which came first. That's all. Well, I, I will say I think David Cronenberg is a big comic book guy because X-Men number one came out in September of 1963. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. What you're talking about. It's something I've never thought about before, but I can now that you've mentioned it, yeah. And I never will again. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I brought it up because I'm not into comic books so. And it's funny, Jamie. There's a, there's other stories sort of similar to this where, what? Oh, uh, Hitler, sort of. He's he's Jewish. Hitler's Jewish. And he he's against all other Jews. Like he, this guy is a scanner, but he hates all other Wait scanners. A Hitler's and, and, not Jewish, is he? Yeah, half Jewish, I think. Yeah, Hitler is Jewish. Yeah, half, I think. Oh, sorry, I, I didn't know that. I, I thought that his mother. Um, had a Jewish doctor, yeah, and but she, Jesus she died. Was a Jew, Jesus was a Jew too, and then. Well, I know that. I know Jesus <laughs> was a Jew. <laughs> yeah, and then somehow he made a. He's a Jew, but if you follow his teachings, you're something else. <laughs> you're Catholic or Christian. Like, <laughs> or Christian. like fucking, the fuck is that? <sighs> like, how could we be worshiping a Jew, <laughs> but we're not? practicing what he is supposed to be practicing or something like i don't even know what the fuck well we can I, get into that how, but that's how a whole other discussion yes that is a whole other discussion <laughs> you want to talk religion we can get into that later <laughs> fuck it, it, it should probably be off the air given the three of us that are included in the yeah <laughs> but anyway um i didn't know that you know what i i heard that hitler's mother had a jewish doctor and uh she passed away at a young age and that's where his resentment for jews began but Maybe not. I don't know. Whatever. I didn't know he was Jewish at all. That's the first I've ever heard of it. I didn't really pay attention in school, so sorry, guys. Sorry to waste everybody's time with that. If that's common knowledge, I don't know. Yeah, he's against all scanners. I guess my point is that, like, um, <laughs> someone who's a part of something hates all the rest of them. Oh, sure. You know, and I think it just is he's, – he's not comfortable with his power. He doesn't – 
He doesn't like it. He feels like an outcast, or he is an outcast, basically, because of it. And so um, it's, not, it's not a gift to him like it is to Revic. Right. Well, this movie, I mean, like I said with the other movie, in this one there's never a dull moment. It's, it's a slow burn to a degree with, with a steady pace of, of events, things like that. But the thing is, again, Cronenberg writes all his scenes so that they're all good. It's just a weird... I, I agree. This movie... No, no, yeah, I agree. There isn't... He's not boring. But this movie, to me, it was a, a little hard to follow and confusing. Maybe that's just for me. Okay. I don't know. No, I can, I can see that. There's a lot going on here. Too, right, you know. yeah, isn't there? Yeah, a, yeah, there right. is. Mm-hmm. And if you're stoned or or, or uh, drunk, well, yeah, that way into it too. No, I, I, I was sober. <laughs> I was sober when I watched it, but uh, I'll say that. And it, it's gonna re- it's gonna be a movie that obviously requ- requires repeat viewings. So I, well, I hope you I hope you liked it enough to do that. Oh yeah, I'll watch it again. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing I regret is that there's not enough Ironside in the movie. Oh, I totally agree. Yeah, I was really thinking he'd be in. Stephen Lack is not the strongest of leading men. Oh, <laughs> he's, you know, right? He's not. Not at all. And I much yeah. I would have much preferred a more Michael Ironside Ironside heavy film, um, just because of the presence that he has in anything he does. His presence dominates. And um, look at Visiting Hours. Exactly. That's that's funny because I was thinking about that while I was talking about it, and I forgot that you'd actually seen that recently. So. <laughs> Have that fresh in your mind. One of my favorite scenes is where they're in the waiting room at the obstetrician's office, and he, Stephen Lack, is sitting there, and there's a uh, a magazine ad for this drug that they had created. Anyway, this woman is sitting there, and her baby, her unborn baby, mm-hmm. starts to scan him. <laughs> I think that is insane. I love it. I love the fact. And that's an, cool. another example of, of him just going in there, him going in there and taking it to another extreme. It's like, yeah, this is still happening. And it's these babies are still being born. And this baby is so powerful uh, within this stomach mm-hmm. that it's able to scan without even being born yet. Or not even knowing what he's looking at. Has no yeah. idea what's happening, but is just is already ex- exuding this power. So they're super. They're they're even stronger than uh, you know most of the the scanners are. It appears that these that this next breed of them is going to be um, more intense. And maybe that yeah, was I the plan. It, I think as know? it goes along, it gets stronger because they, they realized what they were. He realized what he'd come, what he had, what had happened, and so uh, they're sort of breeding, purposely breeding scanners. Yeah, it's the government, right? The doctor was in on it. He, he wanted to do this. That's why when he said, you know, oh, I'm busy with a patient, he goes, I got this bottle here. And he goes, okay, I'll, uh, I'll be right back. He knows he's deliberately working with Ironside to create – but he can't be working with Ironside. He's on he the d- payroll. That's all. He don't give a fuck. Yeah, but Ironside wants to kill them all. So why would he want more of them? Because Ironside's not really in on that part of the business. The other people are. Who's Okay, who's killing all these scanners? Is there like a resistance? Yeah, there, there, there's like there are different factions. You know, there are the there are the scanner the, the group that he meets that has all the people that ends up actually one of them being um, a, a mole. Those are like the ones who are resisting. They don't want to be controlled. They don't want to be uh, like part of scanned. The, right. You know, and so they're they're rogue. They're they're keeping it to themselves and they're be- being knocked off one by one because they are the resistance. So it's basically like the Jedi 
<laughs> and the and the the Sith, you know, it's like right. Um, if you are going to be against, if you, you're either with us or you're against us, and if you're against us, you're going to die. You're either with us or you're against us. What about the scene where they burst into flames? They burst the people into flames. Oh, that's great, <laughs> man! That was wow. Cool. And they and and they blew three of them away before they did it. Was that girl really a mole or no? Was she with fucking um the main girl? What's her name? The main star girl. No, because because the guy said bullshitted them. You should be afraid of me. And then she said, "Why?" And and he tried to kill her. Yeah, but uh, But as far as the plot goes, all of a sudden I thought she was part of the good team. They were all together. I never heard them mention that she had anything to do with fucking what's his name, Reddick. Because I remember them, they met them, they were all in their room doing that seance thing, there was like six or seven of them, but they weren't bad guys. I thought they were being introduced as fucking friends that are going to help in this movement. Yeah, they the were. doctor initiated, right? They, yeah, they were They were good guys. But, right, um, so how is she with them, and is she a mole? That's what I'm saying, I was confused with this plot. Right. Well, I think she worked there, and then she lost her job. <laughs> I think she basically, I think she defected, and basically Why wouldn't they turned, tell us? You know? Did they not? Maybe I'm making that up. Did they not tell us? Maybe I made an assumption. I don't know. I only saw it once. I don't know. You know, it's strange you said that, though, Jamie, about the – I forgot the drug that you mentioned that they gave pregnant women, that this was a take on that. Mm -hmm. I I took this as a commentary on um, the government's view view of uh, people with mental health issues. That's what scanners are, basically. You know, uh, well, you know what? That is an interesting take too. I mean, it could also it could also be in there. There are a lot of things that could be going on in here, and then it goes back to my whole thing about you know successful art and Correct. how it, right, yeah. how it touches you. You know, yeah. um, I know that this drug is a direct uh, like it's it's d- the whole idea of injecting pregnant women with a drug and then it having ex- consequences that you were not aware of. That whole thing comes directly from the thalidomide experience, but um, I'm sure, just knowing Cronenberg, there were all sorts of other things going on in there. So pretty much anything that you see in it is probably there. It's interesting. Yeah, that that's cool. I just I, I never knew that story about um whatever. <laughs> I keep forgetting the word thalidomide. Is that what you were saying? Thalidomide babies. Thalidomide. Yeah. yeah ch- look, you should look it up. Look it up and read about it. It's very interesting. Flipper. I probably don't want to see it. <laughs> I, nah, I have issues with uh, deformities and shit. I, I shit. Shit's no joke. I don't want to see pictures of it. No, I don't want to see Siamese twins. I don't want to see any of it. Yeah, shit. you can just read about it. You don't have to see the pictures. Yeah, it's just it's, a, might... it's like a miniature arm. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I think I've heard about it. You know, I just didn't know all the details. But I think maybe when I was, I remember hearing more of it when I was a child. If uh, nothing else, you should have heard about it in the Billy Joel song. We didn't start the fire because. Well, what did he say? From what Aldehyde, he? babies down, then they John and Yoko. <laughs> <laughs> JFK, blown away. What else do I have to say? Say for Aldehyde, babies. <laughs> they were always flipping since these moms were tripping. <laughs> yeah, for right. anyone out there who is not familiar with the song, look up the real one because that's not it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why they're drinking for Aldehyde. They What's should the just lyric? have their morning sickness. Yeah, 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 bow, wow, wow, wow. <laughs> What's the lyric, Jamie? In in we didn't start the fire about the babies. The, the, the babies born with fucking. Just, actually, I think it's just no. Fire. I think it's just thrown in there. It's like thalidomide. <laughs> you know, it's just oh thalidomide. Okay, I got you. Fair it's enough. just one of the. It's just one of the things that he throws out. You know, gotcha. Like, hypodermics on the shore. You know, China's in a oh. Martian. 
you know, and so okay. as he goes through the decades, you know, he just it's just one of the things that he throws out there. And this was in the late That's, 50s. Right. Okay. Oh, was it? Oh, OK. The 50s. Holy shit. Wow. OK. I thought at least the back 60s. When, back when women were taking drugs for everything during the pregnancy, nobody knew any better. You just, you, just, um, you know, you Rosemary's had a baby were drugged up when you had your baby. You know, it just um, it's a that was a whole special time when everyone was on Valium. Oh yeah, yeah. like uh, Psycho. Remember that? Exactly. Yeah. Like, what did she say? I got a. Uh, was that a Valium? Was that what Valium. she said to her? Yeah, I got a Valium, Marijuana. John doesn't like it when I take Valiums. <laughs> yeah, maybe there's an issue here. <laughs> it's just modern Xanax. That's all. Well, Xanax is the modern version of what Valium was back then. I should say. Yeah, well, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, Valium's <laughs> awesome. Xanax just puts you to sleep. Okay. I tried substituting beer and just doing the Xanax thing, and I just, I'd rather, like, stay awake and just live my life. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, 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 it's known to give people a good night's sleep. That's the, that's the advantage of, of, of Xanax, and it's not as strong as Valium, I don't think, as far as coming off of it the next day. I don't know. Yeah. That's another show, I guess. We'll have another show. One about religion, one about drugs. We'll just you know, we'll have spin-offs, right? Spin-off. <laughs> yeah, we'll call the skeleton bones, I told you. Yes, yes, we'll do it. We'll get Matt. We'll do a whole fucking nine. Yeah. <laughs> the other cool scene, the only, uh, the only one I think is worth noting, I mean, uh, to me, not that any of those aren't good, but the one is when um, they said the only way to stop this guy from listening to the telephone and reading all of our computer files is to destroy the whole entire thing. That was a cool scene, you know? But what about the end? Like when you get to the end and you get that whole revelation about who Cameron Vale is and who Revik is and, and, yeah, and, and their father. The big, the big wow. battle. Right, yeah, I mean, because it turns out that Cameron Vale and Revik are brothers. And that's why they're both so powerful. And their father is the one who created this whole thing. So now, is he good or bad? Is the At the end of the day... They're, they're, they were talking shit about him at the end. Well, Dad would do this, and they were, like, making him a bad guy. He was a good guy. Am I wrong, or did I miss that, too? Well, I mean, I think, again, like, when he started out, I mean, I think he's another example of he had pure intentions. You know, when he, okay. when he, when he developed this thing, it was with good intentions. But then when he saw what it did, then I think he was just as guilty as far as, as as the brood guy, intent, yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I mean, there's another running theme there. I think. Well, wait, why didn't he know Reddick was there? He was in the same building with him. He doesn't know that's his son. He was making it sound like there's there's this big hunt for Reddick. Wasn't he right under his nose the whole time? Wouldn't he have known it? I think they or were. Did I missed something else. Fuck. Okay, maybe we shouldn't be doing the review here. <laughs> I think we're the wrong people to be doing this, guys. <laughs> okay, we have no idea what the fuck's going on, but we enjoyed it a lot, and we rate this very highly. Go watch it. Anyway, another th- one of this, and real quick, there's an example in this one. When, when Cameron, when Vale and Revic go up against each other at the end, I also have to look away then because I have a vein thing. Oh, like I can't. Oh, yeah. This scene's awesome. This I, can't, I can't look at veins. So during that whole thing, I'm actually watching it, but I'm watching it through my fingers. I don't know what good that does, but I do it all the time. And I'm watching it through my fingers, and uh, it just, oh, my God. Oh, like, Jamie, his head looked like my penis before an <laughs> orgasm. It was unbelievable. It was awesome. <laughs> I was like, hey, dickhead. <laughs> and I love when, he gets, when they start shaking, you know, and then the veins are popping out and then they start to bleed, and then, I mean, it was just, oh, God, it's a friggin' mess. But in the end... Maybe we shouldn't say what happened. I yeah, I was going to say, should we not, we should not spoil the end, because the, the very end is, um, 
Okay, we will spoil it because there's a retro, but okay, everybody who didn't watch this, we didn't give shit away because we don't even know what the fuck we're talking about. <laughs> we do recommend you watch it. Definitely, I know we do. But uh, So we're going to get into the spoiler of this movie. So look at the timestamp of the show. It's available through iTunes, YouTube, Horrorfila. You could look at the timestamp and skip to the next movie if you want to watch this. Okay, so Jamie, what exactly goes down? Now, it's a battle of wits. And pretty much the brother, who was the homeless guy, overtakes uh, Ironside. But now, so he, his eyes pop out of his head and disintegrate and and all this stuff. And his being goes into Ironside's body? Yeah, I mean, pretty much he, is, he ends up, you think, you think that Revik has won. That he is the more that he is the more powerful. Because the brother went into flames. Because he, yeah, because he pretty much disintegrated. But then in the at the very end, you learn that that Cameron actually did prevail. He just overtook his mind completely. Like his... Really? He's See, so incredibly that powerful that he took him over. Yeah, that's him in his body at the end. I thought I thought he was bullshitting her. Why Why not? Because he's the evil one. He should bullshit her. He should, I thought he was just put on a fake voice because it's still the same guy's face. He looks at her and he goes, no, it's not Reddick. It's me, whatever the fuck his name is. And if, you look into, if you look into his eyes, you, and, and this makes no scientific sense whatsoever, but if you look into his eyes, he has Cameron's eyes. Oh, they're, they're blue eyes. It makes sense because they came out of his head, though. They did show that. Oh, what the fuck? And that's why they zoomed in on the eyes only hmm. for Ironside. Now, I don't know how... When they pulled away, how that guy's eyes would be in Ironside's head. I'm not sure. Well, you're not supposed to think about that too hard. <laughs> <laughs> it's more the shock. It's more the shock of the revelation than the scientific accuracy of how it came to be. <laughs> Don't you guys think it would have been better if fucking Reddick won and he was playing her at the end, including the fucking eyes? Yeah, to me, everything's safe now. Not a happy ending, but you know, we won, and fucking that's the end of it. I think it, it it's more haunting, and, and in my opinion. That, that's what I took from it, that he was fucking with her, and that fuck, Reddick actually won. Right. Yep, so it, it's another objectionable, objectionable movie. Uh, all right, so we'll wrap this up with the ratings. I give this movie another four out of five. Uh, Dave, how do, you, how do you rate this? I, uh, I'll give it a three and a half out of five. And if you think, if you understand it better, you'll give it a four? Possibly, yeah. Yes. And Jamie, what do you say? Another five? This is another five for me. I love the shit out of this movie. I love all the themes. I love the, all the effects. Um, I just I love how powerful the effects are. I think they're re- done really well. And um, yeah, I mean, I love it. Cool. Nice. This is also on YouTube in 10 or 11 parts. Go watch Scanners, the classic. And if anybody's interested... Uh, there is Scanners 2 and 3 combo pack on Blu-ray from Scream Factory. I have it. I have not opened it yet, but I heard 2 is not that good, but I heard 3 is really good. You know, I have not watched either of those ever. I'm afraid of them. Okay, I'll, I'll watch them for because you. Because I love this one so much, you know? Yeah, yeah you know they're not going to be <laughs> anywhere near as, as good. All right, all right. Yeah, Cronenberg uh, has nothing to do with those two. So we'll be right back after this with the wrap-up of the Cronenberg retrospective with... 1980-somethings, The Fly. We'll be right back. Hello? Bill, how have you been? Hey, Bob, <laughs> how's it going? Well, have you heard anything about it yet? Who is this? George Takei here. How have you been? I don't believe I know you. I grew up in Arkansas. You did? Well, yes. 
so did I. But I don't believe I know you. I circled an ad here in the paper that might interest you. Here, it says, one, lengthy black teenager for sale. Teenager for sale? Yes. Uh, just a minute. Uh, oh, great. Um, Can you excuse me while I dappled my wang with the latex? <laughs> yeah. You won't believe what I just heard. What did you just hear? I love lengthy black men. Oh, you do? Excuse me, but aren't you a grimy Mexican? No, I'm just a hillbilly from Arkansas. You had better be prepared to turn wet and messy. <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you something, brother. You wrong sex make me wet and messy. Excuse me, but aren't you aroused? Aroused? No, you're you pissing me off, motherfucker. <laughs> you seem to be aroused. <laughs> no, you're pissing me off. But I'm just a bit concerned about lengthy black teenagers. You sound like a sick motherfucker. Yes. I'd like to have about five minutes alone with you. You're a pathetic. I'd make you pathetic, you piece I'll, of I'll show you. I'm going to get that wang. I bet you do. I hate you. I ain't got much damn use for you either. That's crazy. Crazy? You sound like you got a problem, brother. You ever read the Bible? Good Lord put a man to sleep and took a rib out of him for a walk. And if yes. you like long, lengthy black men, and I bet you even like children, don't you? Yes. I'd give you $500 to meet you. I want to get to know your lengthy black lollipop. Oh, I got your black length lollipop. I love your wang. I bet you'd love my 12-gauge shotgun, too. So I could go and pull the trigger about three times. I feel ridiculous. No, you're ridiculous. Now, don't get all worked up over it. I'd like to put you out of your misery. I get a strong smell from my wang. Well, take a bath. Good idea. One of my neighbors in Denver is a lengthy black teenager. Well, you should have called him. Excuse me, but aren't you a grimy Mexican? No, I'm not no Mexican. Oh, my God. Now what? Now, don't get all worked up over it. About what? My wang. The only things you've mentioned in your language that you since you've called that I care anything about is the word God. Everything else has been nasty, filthy, obscene, vile, perverted. Let me think about this. I'll call you back in an hour. Oh, I tell you what, now, I don't know how you come up with my telephone number, but you you hitting the wrong basis here. You know, I was called Brundlefly, and I didn't know why. <laughs> Why was there something gross I'm going about? off topic. No, because when I was in, when I first went into ninth grade, I want to say it was either ninth or seventh, but it was when I went to a new school, and I, I want to say it was ninth grade, and I, I met some new guys from different schools because the way the the city's set up, you know, there's different, you know, I don't know. Bottom line is, I went to the school, and we uh, kids from my school, and kids from other schools merged two middle schools to one high. Uh, that's the way to put it, and it was the freshman year. And whatever it was, I was seeing new girls that I had never seen before. And, and I was in the lunch class, and I hadn't seen the fly yet, so I didn't even know what this kid was talking about. So I'm sitting in the lunchroom, and we're all having lunch at the same time, you know, whatever, like, like it is in school. And um, I'm seeing all these new chicks that went to other schools that I haven't seen before. And there's just one after the other. Hot chick I've never seen before. Hot chick I've never So the first week of school, all I'm doing in the class 
is looking around, looking here, looking there. And apparently, a kid that I met found humor in it, the way I was jerking my head around so much. He was calling me Brundlefly. I didn't know why. He goes, hey, my name even became Brundle. Hey, Brundle. That's what this kid was calling me for, for years. All because of that. That's how it got started. Because I was so busy. You know how, which, by the Jerk way. in your Yes. Head. Which was brilliant, by the way, his performance, the way he did it. Yes, the, the way he jerked his head. But I was too busy looking around at all these fucking chicks because it was the first time I saw him, and I didn't care if it was obvious. Whatever, I was young and whatever. But he called me Brundlefly for the long, and I never realized it till years later, what the fuck it came from because I didn't watch it when it first came out. So, huh? Weird, isn't it? I can we still call you Brundle now? Oh, gee, imagine that. Bring it back, fucking twenty something years later. What the fuck is up, Brundlefly? <laughs> Oh, I think you got it right. Oh, yo, 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 yo. But anyway, I just thought of that Brundlefly thing because of that. That kid called me that I didn't realize it, and I only saw the movie a few. At that point, obviously, I hadn't seen. I didn't know what the fuck he was talking about. Then he told me he's like the fly. So I watched the fly later, and I think I watched it three times over the years. But now, after, like I said. The last, after the, the, the time before now the last time I have a whole new appreciation for it so I think you're making a mistake I think you really want to talk to me sorry I have three other interviews to do before this party's over yeah but they're not working on something that'll change the world as we know it they say they are yeah but they're lying there is a limit even to the imagination human teleportation Molecular decimation, breakdown, and reformation is inherently purging. Where our greatest creations meet our deepest fears. Something went wrong, Seth. When you went through, something went wrong. You are about to go beyond that limit. Those weird hairs that were growing out of your back, I had them analyzed. They were definitely not human. If you saw how scared and angry and desperate he is... I'm sure Typhoid Mary was a very nice person, too, when you saw her socially. No! You're afraid to be destroyed and recreated, aren't you? You're changing, Seth. Everything about you is changing. Oh, no. What's happening to me? Am I dying? I want to know what's going on. What does the disease want? Wants to turn me into something else. Oh, no. A fly got into the transmitter pipe with me that first time when I was alone. Don't go back to it. Could be contagious. Uh, I'm afraid! Don't be afraid! No. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Wrapping up our Stephen Cronenberg nope. retrospective. What? Uh, fuck, da- David Cron. What? The- what am I thinking? Stephen Cronenberg. <laughs> That's not even his kid's name. What's his kid's name? It's, it's a fucked up name, right? Isaac. Isaac. Isaac Cronenberg. <laughs> it's it's uh, Moisha Moisha Cronenberg. <laughs> what is it, Jamie? Because he he made that movie. Uh, yeah, he kid. made. Uh... A- uh, antiviral, right? Yeah. 
I don't remember his name. It might well, I guess we'll call him Isaac or whatever Alex said. Yeah, Isaac, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. For some reason, I'm a little, like, dizzy. <laughs> I can't imagine why. <laughs> don't get sick on us, please. <laughs> Where's my trash barrel? <laughs> All right, so it, this movie was made in... My nine- tits. <laughs> this was 1986, the golden age of horror. So this movie gets a 7.5 in IMDb. I don't even know why I keep saying that. Like that means nothing. So Jeff Goldblum is Seth Brundle. Brundle fly. Uh, Gina Davis is Veronica Quaff. Quaff. Q U A I F E. I think it's Quaff. Quaff. I think it's Queef. I was gonna say it's not Queef. <laughs> Queen Laquifa. <laughs> Yeah, Queen, Queen La Quifa. You remember her, Alex? Yeah. <laughs> you would, right? Sa- Sathen or some whatever. And I don't know. Who cares? <laughs> it's about a guy who is working on a teleportation device. Like, you ever see the Simpson Trias of Horror when Homer goes in the thing and he... Nah, never mind. I know, I know. I'm sure Jake does, too. Does. And he, he, punch, he grows to grab a beer and he punches Lisa in the face on the toilet. the <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what a great show. Yeah. That's right, Jason. <laughs> so, um, yeah, teleportation device. He's testing it out. He puts stockings in there and shoots one to the other area. And it comes out okay. And he said the thing I can never get going is living things. I guess he was throwing rats and mice and squirrels in there and shit like that. And they were dying. Or a baboon. Or a space movie. <laughs> squirrels. Yes. <laughs> squirrels. He said that he was No, he probably started off with rats. <laughs> He threw an earthworm in there. <laughs> it came out in segments, and he's like, hey, it's okay. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, it was like that when I got here. <laughs> How about that stocking, though? Didn't you think that that was rather... She was a dirty birdie, don't you think? Her character? I mean, honestly, why not just take off your shoe? That's a personal item, right? It's below your fucking foot all day long. It doesn't get more personal than that. This you know, girl. I actually said that, and then um, we were watching it. I was like, you know, why? I was like, she didn't have to go for the stocking, you know. And then Brian's like, yes, but then it wouldn't have been as sexy. <laughs> I'm like, well, that's and true. guys, she hopped in bed with the dude a day later. You're really wondering, yeah, if she's a pig. Yeah, they were all pigs in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Everyone, everybody. In this it was the eighties. You know, it was all about cocaine, pigs, and uh, <laughs> you know, good money. Cocaine, pigs, and money. We should have used it for our <laughs> fucking walking to the eighties. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> uh, so yeah, he has these telepods. Um, so Gina Davis is the girl, and that dude I said is the guy. And uh, so she wants to break the big story. She's a reporter. She met him at a party, and he says, "No, just wait until you know I, I get this stuff going." So the next big scene is that um, he puts a chimpanzee in this thing, or a baboon, and then or a space monkey. Space Monkey Mafia, Dylan Berlin, Bay of Pigs Invasion. Hey, did you listen to that song? (laughs) Yeah, that's why it's in my head. That's why I sang it. Awesome. (laughs) How could you not? I heard it the next. It actually came on my uh, my uh, whatever that's called the next day. Oh, randomly it came on. Oh, I just thought you happened to be listening to it because of no. Oh, that's what I was telling you. Oh, Pandora. 
and wow, I didn't know that. I just thought it was in in your phone. It was an iPhone, and you just had that tune in there, and you just you know it was on. Your- I had it on the eighties. And then we talked about that song, and then the next day, it's going, and all of a sudden that song comes on. Yeah. Wow. So, uh, there you go, Jamie. Yeah, Jamie does. It's positive. No, I'm converting her. I'm talking her into this. Believe me. I'm the great persuader. She thinks I'm, I'm nutty for No, she's, she's, she's coming around, aren't you, Jamie? No, apparently I'm a bullshitter. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I... I no, I my my whole thing is I just feel like it it happens like it's always happened to me. So I just didn't think there was anything like I just thought it was life, you know? Like it I didn't think it was that big of a deal because it's always happened. But maybe Dave has gotten me to see that maybe it just happens to me because you're one of those people. Because I'm one Check of those people, right? You know, so I'll, I'll, go, know. I'll go a step further, Jamie. You were destined to be on the skeleton crew because of it. You always had it, but you didn't really know that you you, you had these other symbiont beings with you. And well, and then while the- we were the whole, what's really weird is that the whole time Dave and I were talking about it, it's like you kept popping up, Alex. Yeah. Like not yeah. just not like in conversation, but like you would while while I was talking to Dave, I got a text message from you. While you know, wow. while I was talking to Dave, you sent him a message on Facebook, and I mean, it was <laughs> it was weird. Like all this all this shit just kept happening. Yeah, we have a synchronicity. You I'm sent telling him you know? the the thing about the about the fly too. And <gasps> Dave right? and I how about that, been Talking about that. And what? How about what I talked about to begin with, with the fucking that poor thing? And why? I just happened to be watching that thing, and I wanted to talk to you about the fly too, just because it was the fly and it was you. And I was like, you know what? And I happened to be watching that part at that very moment. I took a picture of that fucking thing, and I felt bad for it. And I said, "Oh man, it, that's pretty. You know, that bummed me out about that dog." And then, yeah. and then you said you couldn't watch it. it was ter- I just happened to pick that moment, and you, and that's always something that that bothered you. That that particular. Yeah, scene. it was weird. And I sent the, the dog to you. And then you sent the dog to me. See, I'm telling you, this yes! is not a fucking joke. What the fuck, dude? You want to hear today? Mad Wizell was posting on Facebook, and for some reason, I started thinking of Sleepaway Camp. So I just kept on going, "Fuck a man, asshole." <laughs> Fuck a man, asshole. I just kept on repeating that in my car when I was driving around like a loser. I just kept going because I was trying to say it more violently each time. I was like, fuck a man, asshole. Like how I could say it the most, like angry. And I don't know why. Don't even, uh, who knows what I was thinking at the time. But all of a sudden, Matt Wazell posts on Facebook, boo, baba, reba, hey, baba, reba. Yes. And that's the guy who said it. The guy who sang that song under the canoe. That's right. So how weird is that? Yes, and that's been coming up. Oh. As I'm saying, buck a man, asshole. <laughs> is that a cat? It's fucking Pugsley and, and okay. Gracie are fighting. Was your is your cat inside out? That was crazy. <laughs> it's my cat inside out. It sounded like it was inside I'm gonna, out. I'm going to cook one and see what it tastes like, and then I'm going to cook the other one and see if it tastes synthetic. Yeah, you should <laughs> cook it. See if it tastes the same. Oh, shit. <laughs> this one's more rubbery. <laughs> it just, just tastes synthetic, yes. Well, this was a squeaky toy. I just told you it was a cat. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, okay, let's get back because these people are wondering where the fuck this is going. Yeah, so he puts the baboon in. The baboon gets turned wrong side out, and then he discovers that the reason is because he hasn't taught the machine to be in love with the flesh. Sounds like a fucking uh, Hellraiser. In love with the flesh. You know? 
Exactly. Like we're yeah, that's weird. Yeah, that was weird. Don't you think that whole thing the way it came about when they're they're making love and she says something about the flesh and something about ladies and babies? What did she say? Oh, that's the reason old ladies pinch babies' cheeks. It's all about the flesh. See, and it's this. It's funny because that is like my own personal. Like I I love the flesh. I do, and and I say that all the time. And that's like that's (laughs) that's it speaks so closely to the way I feel about. about the human body and sexuality, you know, uh-huh. and then I love the seat. Nothing wrong with flesh. Word. I love flesh that. is just skin, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, so when she was talking about old ladies pinching babies and being and loving the flesh, then that made him realize that he didn't teach the machine. That's why everything comes out synthetic. He didn't. It doesn't know how to translate back into actual flesh. It only knows. It gives an impression of or it's. It's definition, I guess, of what it thinks that the organic matter is. That when he's looking way too into this, yeah, but he had to look at what he's doing. Well, he's a scientist. That's his job. Look what he was accomplishing. <laughs> yeah, he better look way into it. Oh, this is what I want to know: Are you going to have to teleport naked? He did, right? Yeah, he did. Every time he did, like he stripped off everything and went in because, I, I mean, I'm guessing it hasn't gotten to the point yet where it can figure out, you know, clothes go on the outside or whatever. So, like, if you step in with your clothes, that's right, you, like, it would blend. Right, it, the clothes would be blended into the body, like at the end. My of the fucking my body's plaid. <laughs> Is that a fucking <laughs> hillbilly it's shirt? It's a fashion on? statement. You can just go in with clothes, and these are the clothes you want to wear forever. Um, you know, it's a statement. I like Forever it. <laughs> <Alex>. <laughs> it's a statement. I like it. I like it. Nice. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> no, actually, it was an experiment gone wrong, bitch. This is also 1980s movie science, too. <laughs> yeah, right. Where everything happens just because you say it did. You know? Just like Back <laughs> to the Future. Like, oh, it's fine that they drive in a car and pop up 40 years ago. That's perfectly normal. <laughs> It's all about the plutonium. Gigawatts. Gigawatts. If if you tell me that if you hit 88 miles an hour that this happens, then it's like, oh, look, he hit it, so he must be going into the future. So Brundle figured out the flux capacitor is what happened. He, he got he his flux that. capacitor to work. I want to see how many times I can say flux capacitor. <laughs> hey, Gordon. Gordon. <laughs> we'll talk later, Gordon. <laughs> and he turns to the camera. Did you guys get that? His name is Gordon. <laughs> uh, but yes, yeah, so that's the big scene for this movie. The big opening scene is that this baboon is inside out, and <laughs> it looks insane. It looks fantastic, oh, wow, actually. Wow, all the gores. Oh. The effects in this film are crazy. Top so, notch. Well, I mean, and I think that they still hold up today. Yes. You know, I think watching this film today, it looks just as fucking good as it did back then. You know, a lot of times that doesn't happen, you know, but it looks so good. It actually looks better than it did when I was a kid. Actually, it does to me, too, because now I watch it on Blu-ray. And I was going to say that. Yes. yes. <laughs> You're such a jerk. I was just going to say right. that, though. Because of blue, it does look better. <laughs> it's the only way that can happen. Um, so, this apparently gets this chick wet. She hops in bed with the ugliest man in the world. I happen to be in love with Jeff Goldblum. Thank you very much. Why am I not surprised? 
Yeah, there's another friend of mine who thinks he's incredibly sexy. He wow, he looks like a fly before he even goes through. Was just sitting there, right? When he's playing the piano and he looks at her and he's got those big bug eyes, I'm like, what the fuck? He's already half fly. What you guys are failing to acknowledge is that sexy, sexiness is not about appearance. It's not all about appearance. It's about everything else. You That's know, right. I mean, it's 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 a, no. <laughs> That's why we score with hot chicks, Al. That's true. <laughs> Oh, wait, we do have yeah, it, over right? over the years, yeah. It's not just... Because we don't have looks. No, we have everything else. Yeah, Jamie, Dave and I have faces for radio, so that's why hey, we... Oh, shit, neither <laughs> of you do. <laughs> We're cute enough. Dave's starting to look like Jack Nicholson at this point. He, he actually looks like the actual character, Jack Torn. Fuck, you figured it out. Son of a bitch. I was doing that, and I, Yeah, you're right. That, that's where you're that going That was my intent, it? yep. Why not? Isn't that weird that in Shining, Jack is named Jack and the kid is named Danny? the kid? Like whatever. Danny, yeah. Yep. The kid is named the kid. The kid. <laughs> what is olive oil's name in real life? I forgot. Shelly Duvall. And what's her name in the movie? Shelly? Wendy. Wendy. Oh, oh, well. Oh, I got the Shining on Blu-ray, man. It... Oh, that's pretty. I know. That. Yeah. I don't I forget how much I paid for it. I don't even remember getting it, but I have it on Blu-ray somehow. Somehow. And, uh. Oh, wait, yo, you sent it. Or, Shit, yeah. yeah, yeah. Thanks, man. Hey, at least I could do for such a fine friend. Ah, oh, thanks. After all those amazing hours of amazingness I gave everybody. Right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> amazing hours of amazingness. Yeah, you made me feel like uh, like Goldblum did in the fly after, after he went through, you know? <laughs> that's, that's what this show did to me. Ah, uh, suddenly so. he's, he's on the uneven bars. Right. He's fucking like a champ. Yeah, he's like fucking Mary Lou Retton and after he goes through a fucking machine. <laughs> goes through a washing machine, he's Mary Lou Retton. Whatever the fuck her name is. <laughs> Who's that gymnast girl? Yes, no. Mary Lou Retton, you got it. Oh, wow, I finally got something <laughs> right. <laughs> Someone from the 80s, too. Her name yes. is Margie Lynn Rattan. <laughs> wow, I rule, man. So, uh, yeah, she hops in bed, hops up and down this guy's pole. Uh, the Chimp 2 experiment. They tried it again after he taught a machine to give a fuck about flesh. Hey, and it worked. Yeah. He's brilliant. Yeah, and he wears the same clothes, cause does the old Einstein bullshit. And meanwhile, like the next scene, he's wearing different clothes. So that makes absolutely no sense. Uh, you know, he In his closet, it's all the same clothes. And then in the next scene, he's wearing something else. I think they were uh, celebrating. I think they, it was afterwards, and they were they went crazy. Remember, he bought her ear, uh, the necklace and everything else, and... Maybe I'm guessing. Maybe I'm just. She bought him the leather jacket that was so hot. Oh yeah, he was a biker now. Right, right. So um, he gets he gets drunk and he he figures, shit, I'm just gonna go ahead and risk my life. You know what? Yeah, but why did he get drunk? Once again, like everything with men, the fucking dummies that we are. He just started with the chick. He just been banging her for a couple days, and he's already hung up on her. All because she she took off in in, in that moment. He was willing to risk his fucking life, science, everything, all for a woman. You right. believe that? He got. I mean, that's uh, who am I to say? That's something I probably would, would do too because I'm a man and I'm an idiot. But that's totally what would happen. You, he gets drunk, he's depressed. She took off. Ah, oh, fuck it. I'm just gonna go through whatever happens. Happens. Holy fuck. So stupid. Look what happened. And then he becomes a sugar lover. <laughs> uh, <laughs> because uh, freaking fly was in his house. And it flew into the teleportation machine, uh, telepod, as he likes to call it. And when he goes sent through, it mixed the DNA together. So now he has the DNA of a fly. And unfortunately for him, 
although you would think it would be a small percentage of, of his life, it'd be 1% of his, the rest of his body. No, it, it almost completely takes over his body in, in many ways. So first he starts off by being hyper, everything a normal person can do, his is ramped up. He's doing Mary Lou Retton on a fucking swing bars that are somehow in in his house. Meanwhile, he couldn't do it before, but now that he has the ability, there's oh no, wait, he, were those pipes or? I think they were pipes, but he lived yeah. you know, he lived like in a loft. I was gonna say he didn't have those fucking things. So uh, and then he becomes amazingly annoying. Doesn't shut the fuck up in the coffee diner oh, scene, right? You know what it's like. It's like someone taking speed or. Uh... Coke or acid for the I would I, I'll go with acid because he was talking so much about intellectual stuff. It was like someone taking a fucking hit of acid the first time, and he's like, "Oh my god, my mind's been opened up to this." And he's fucking going bananas. And he's yeah, raving lunatic. Yeah. Oh, stop! Stop plugging your show, goddammit. I mean, my show. <laughs> bananas. Oh, did I say bananas? Banana Anna. Banana. <laughs> Ultraviolet. <laughs> Hint of things to come. Right. So uh, he decides to go against a guy in an arm wrestling contest, snaps the motherfucker's arm in oh, half. Awesome, too. Right? That was a beautiful scene. Yeah. And what was that chick doing with those two fucking guys? <laughs> right? I'm not saying she was top of the line, but she was a cute chick. Whatever. She was, she was a hot 80s chick. You know, at least what, the guy she – oh, I like so-and-so tonight. She says, the dude's wearing fucking – he's overweight. He's wearing suspenders. He has fucking greasy hair. I'm like – why are these two guys the ones that they are competing over her? Uh, 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 Jamie just taught us that it's not about your looks. Yeah, that guy didn't have shit though, <laughs> right? <laughs> Jamie, what is it? What do I got to do to get the to get any girl I want? What do I have to walk around like? The fly. Uh, well, <laughs> <laughs> I can only tell you what I can only tell you what attracts me. All right, go ahead. And that is confidence. And that's since it's humor, you have to make me laugh. And and every every guy always says, "Oh, that's bullshit." No, it's totally true. No, it's if you can't make me laugh, then I don't want anything to do with you. I have to be able to have a conversation with you. And for me, you have to be a horror fan. There is no ifs, ands, or buts. Okay, one out of four is not bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, arm wrestling scene. Then all of a sudden, you you get hit your first taste of shit goes wrong. Do you guys remember the? And this is classic. Everybody remembers the first thing that goes wrong, right? Oh, oh! Uh, don't even talk about. You mean the, the the teeth and the nails? Nails, fingernails. Oh, yeah, and that when he goes to yeah. the mirror and he squeezes his finger oh. and it it it. it oh. like, oh. I can't watch it. <laughs> I can't either. I turn away, and that's yeah. why I love Cronenberg though, because he is the only director who can consistently gross me the fuck out. Yeah. 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 I cannot like I, watch that. Part. I can't it's watch sick. it. I'm just like, yeah. oh, gross. <laughs> Dude, teeth yeah. and nails for me are the two biggest things. And I've seen teeth in some movie, nails in other movies, etc. But this scene, that that's some of the most difficult stuff to watch for that that two minute scene. And then his realization afterwards. So this is because right before that he's going, he's up and up and up, and he's a raving lunatic. Then he kind of comes back right after that because. That speaks to everybody, body horror. And he's like, so this is how it ends. So am I dying now? Is this how it's going to start? And that could be anybody that catches the disease anytime. It just, oh, it's so scary. And me personally, I have fucking dreams a lot that my teeth fall out in the dreams and shit. So I'm real fucking skittish about that shit. And, you know, teeth and nails in the same, oh, man, oof, it's rough. I'm just worried about my hair falling out. Yeah, and he starts to think that it might be manifesting itself as some kind of cancer. Yeah, 
So now he becomes a bubbly cripple. His fucking ears falling off. He's walking on the ceiling. Uh, he. It, the one thing I was disappointed, and you guys might be too, this asshole never grew wings, man. Like I wanted him to grow wings and fly around. He should have. I he agree. He's doing the Spider-Man shit though. That was pretty cool. Yeah, but I already saw that. You know, thirty years later. What's that kind of pregnancy dream or something? Oh, after she finds out she's pregnant, yeah. But when we're watching it, we don't know. It is a dream sequence, but you don't realize it at first. You, I mean, because it's totally believable within the context of this film. Yes. You know? So she decides that she wants an abortion so she don't have to give birth. She she don't want to give birth to a garbage pail kid, so she decides to have an abortion. <laughs> <laughs> and the fly <laughs> stops her. From doing it, he uh, he's pro life, and uh, <laughs> yeah, his own. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. He don't give a fuck what we do. Well, you know, we, we should really get into that part of the relationship in general with her and her ex boyfriend. Yeah, who is now who is the editor of of where she's working, her her boss, in a matter of speaking, and uh, that whole situation, how it starts, and how they used to be an item, and. You know, how he sent her there to begin with, and then he was like, oh, he's a con man, and just their whole back and forth. And him, how about him? Talk about a character arc with him at the end. I did Mm -hmm. not expect him to go in that direction, but. Yeah, he was an asshole who became good. Yeah. And I liked him a lot and really sympathized with him when shit went downhill for him, you know. Um, So so she's going to have an abortion, and this fly guy, Brundle. Brings her back to his loft or whatever you call that. And what did he want to do? Put her through the machine? He wants to take he, – he, he basically has turned it into a gene splicer. And so he wants to take her and the, ba- and the unborn child, put it in one pod. He wants to take – he wants to get into the second pod and then they will come together in the third pod as Brundle family. So basically what he's thinking is that he can take her and their baby and mix it with himself and then he can become more human because he's his whole goal here is to – is to become human again, or as human as he possibly can Get be. back to where you once belonged. <laughs> so basically, he has become a completely selfish asshole. Yeah, but yeah. then, and but and he makes it. He makes a statement about this when he talks about uh, when she comes to visit him one of the last times, and or actually the last time she comes to visit him, and he tells her he's like he goes through this whole thing about you know insect politics. Like right, if you ever yeah. heard of insect politics, and she's like, no, I don't. You know, and he's like, that's because they don't have any. Basically, insects have no empathy. They have no compassion. They have no. They just survive. And so then he tells her. You have to leave and you have to never come back because if you stay, I will hurt you. And it's not because he wants to. It's not because Seth wants to. But it's because the insect part of him is taking over and he can't control it. And so the insect part of him comes up with this plan to to try to bring himself more back to human. And so he completely doesn't care about what happens to her. Uh, He just is now looking out for himself. Hmm. There's such great dialogue in this movie. There, so, there. Well, one of the wow. best lines in horror history comes from this film, and most people don't know it. I know and they it's don't. When, right. yeah. It's when Gina Davis says to the girl when he's mm-hmm. when he's there fucking the girl, and then the girl's about to leave, and he's like, you know, don't be afraid, and she's like, yes, be afraid, be very afraid. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows. Everyone knows that line, yep. but few people know where it comes from. You've never yeah, heard you- that line. Nope. Oh, what? don't be a bullshitter. You I'm know. sure that was used in fucking the Treehouse of Horror at one point or another. 
be afraid, be very afraid. It's a very common phrase. Be afraid, be very afraid. And yeah. that is a that is one of the most well-known lines in horror. And a lot of people don't even realize it came from this film. Yeah, isn't that something? Yeah, yeah. And how about the fact that he want, all he wanted was for Gina Davis to go through after he went through. And he was all tripping out. It was the early stages of it. He was all bugging out. Like I said, it was like a person on acid or whatever. And he's all speedy and he feels great. And he's like Superman. And I feel great. He goes, I want you to experience you know, this with me. Go through. And she was, she was afraid to go through and she wouldn't. And that's the only reason he left and went to the bar and got that girl. He's like, okay, you don't want to be part of the team? I'll go, you know, I'll go get someone else. And then the same thing happens. He takes this girl. He fucks her, you know, two ways from fucking Tuesday or whatever the expression is. And <laughs> then in the morning, he's like, okay, I want you to go through. And then she wouldn't go through. And right as he's about to almost force her through because he's so bugged out, <laughs> you know, no pun intended, <laughs> Gina Davis <laughs> comes back. That was great, man. <laughs> he was bugged out, literally, wasn't he? If you think about it, as soon as he went through... <laughs> He's bugging out the rest of the movie. One way or the other. <laughs> I can't wait to dive back into a Jaws retrospective. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> oh, but yeah, such line, something Bugged else great down. about this movie, and I got to say the last time I watched it, uh, you know, coincidentally, but it, it's true because I have avoided it because it was a t- it was tough for me to watch, but I finally got used to it, and I finally got used to his appearance because it is really fucking, you know, it's me and disturbing. freaks. Yes, it is and the, disturbing. And the, the donut thing, oh. you know, when he pukes on the donuts and slurps them back. I mean, it's bleh. Oh, right, yeah. Wait, wait, wait. I'm going to do that right now. Fucking Eddie would fly. Ah, it's nothing wrong with that, just did. I don't see what you're complaining about. <laughs> oh, so sorry, Dave. What can you what can you look at now? I, I can look at all of it now. It's easier for me to see because I, I kind of got used to it. You know how you sometimes get used to something when you see it a few times? I, I got used to it. It doesn't bother me. Now he looks more like, I don't know what the character's name is, but when he's all bubbly, he looks more like the Thing or Colossus. One of those guys from the fucking Marvel comics. I don't know. I think he's in Fantastic Four. I don't even know. I never watched him. But he has an appearance. It isn't as disturbing to me. I've gotten used to his fly look now because I, I, I've watched it, you know, a few times in a short period. And this, and I was actually able to watch every minute of it and not be disturbed except for the teeth and the nail scene. And, uh, boy, it, 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 and it's so easy to follow. The narrative is so, it's so fucking simple. It's, it's a remake of a classic, but it has the feel of a, of a classic movie. Well, and it's what I like about that is that if you look at the 58 film, and which is a really good film, I really enjoy that. There's the final scene of that, of that <laughs> movie is, is, I think, really chilling, you know, even today. But in, in that film, they were very basic. You know, he goes in, he comes out, he's got the head of a fly, you know, and that is, you know, man, body of a man, head of a fly. They did it very simply. What Cronenberg did was he took that same basic idea and then he stretched it out over a long period of time and had a slow progression of his transformation, which allowed us to delve into the gooey things and the gross things and uh, and really the the allow it to sink in exactly how horrible the situation is and so i love the i love the approach that he took here he could have just done exactly what they did back then but he took the cronenberg approach which i think is much more effective right it's so suspenseful too because every time she goes back to the place you don't know what's going to be on the other side you you're living it with her you don't know what's going to be on the other side of those those doors when she opens it yeah and can you oh the last time when she goes to see him and she hugs him i'm just like oh how can you like no. Oh, after no. his ear falls off. Oh. Yeah, I mean it's like first of all gross. Sad. Second of all, you know it has to smell bad in there. 
Oh, God, right? I mean, like, it's just, and that's what I get hit with every time. Like, all of my senses are engaged when I'm watching this film. You know, I'm visually disgusted. I start thinking about what it must smell like. I start thinking about what his, what he must feel like. I start, you know, and so it's just, I am, I'm sort of tied up in a knot the entire time I'm watching it because I'm just repulsed. Wow. And um, it's a beautiful thing. It is a, it is a really beautiful thing. I wouldn't say that. No, I know what she's saying. Why? Yeah, it's because it hits her so hard in every sense. Literally, it, you know, eyes and, and look and smell like she says. That, that's, that's pretty heavy. I can see why, you know, why you appreciate that. Wow. I never thought about the smell. That's fucking crazy. <laughs> but, but it's true. I mean, it's like you start engaging all oh. of your senses while you're watching this, and you really can. You can wow. just sort of put yourself in it, and it's that much more horrific. Damn. Strangely enough, every time I watch The Walking Dead – and shit like that, I always think about how people must smell, and I can't believe they fuck. I always think that when they're kissing and everything else, because who's brushing their teeth and fucking taking baths? I don't think you'd want to fuck everybody, and everybody's hooking up on The Walking Dead and others on. I think about it then, but I never once, it never occurred to me while watching The Fly. Maybe your own smell cancels out everyone else's. Uh, Yeah, right? Yeah, maybe. I wonder what Jason's dick smells like. Cheese. Like, what does it look like? How's that? It looks like a dried up tree root. Oh, yeah, right, right. I'm kidding. Oh, you mean Voorhees? Yeah. What do you think, Lloyd? For no, out of nowhere, Alex just brings up Jason Lloyd's dick. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I thought you really thought that for a second. Oh, one of us is. Worse than All right, back to let's get out of the fly. So, uh, I was traumatized. When this ex-boyfriend comes over to help her from the fly in the big climactic ending, and this fucking fly pukes, or whatever you call that, on this guy's hand, and it melts into, like, a fucking glob of flesh and blood, it is just, like, that just freaked me out as a kid. Like, I was traumatized. Literally, it, it messed with me, like, really. And then he does it on the dude's – and what he does is he throws the guy off balance. He does it on his right hand and left ankle. Wow. So his – or the other way around. But, but still, I way, never thought about that. Well, he's, he's about to puke on his face until she, you know, she begs him not to. I mean he's going to kill him. Right. You know, and that is a really horrible moment. It's um, – because really, when you're watching this film for the first time, you could easily believe this guy's about to, to buy the farm. I mean, there's no – we're used to a final girl, you know, one survivor in a horror film. It would not at all be out of the realm of possibility for this guy to die a horrible death right now. So when she actually saves him, it's – it's. I mean, it's, it's a tense moment, you know, because he's mm-hmm. inches away from his face, about to vomit on his face, and then he's going to be dead. And it's it's very like this whole ending scene is so incredibly tense, and even even though I've seen it so many times and I know what's going to happen, it's still tense. And that's what that is the mark of a good fucking movie, right there. Is if you even if you know what's going to happen, you still can't tear yourself away. But she tears his jaw off his face. Oh wow! Yeah, oh man! Awesome. Oh, and you get the little wiggly bits, <laughs> or the little the little antenna like. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> oh yeah, that's awesome. He goes, bzz, bzz, <laughs> and uh, he becomes a full fly, pretty much. I mean, in terms that he looks nothing like a human being at all, and shit falls off of him. 
Yeah, it's crazy. And all that kind of stuff. You know, I think he was just so far gone, Alex, at that point. He was just so focused on going through and and doing the whole Brundle family thing and trying to get as human as possible. He didn't give a fuck. That was his only goal. He was gone because he snapped mentally. And, you know, at some points it seems like he was regressing when he was when he was sad. He was worried about his future and everything else. But then other times when he said, it, you know, we straight up told her, if you stay here, I'm, I'm going to hurt you. So he's fucking he was kind of battling it. But obviously he was so far gone at the end. Whatever. This asshole standing in the way of me doing my fucking, you know, he had this whole big plan since she was going to abort the baby. That fuck too fucking bad. Guess what? This is what we're going to do. You know, we're going Brundle family through this thing, and he was opposing him. The guy was, so of course he was going to fucking melt his... Yeah. The guy blew the link between the pods, so he couldn't do shit. Boy, that was some sick shit, too. Wow. But when he, but he does that when Brundle is already in the pod, so he actually bonds with the telepod itself. Yeah, so then you get sick. Brundle fly pod uh, crawling <laughs> out. And, oh, that is a... That is just a... A, a god awful thing uh, yeah. c- crawling out of there. This whole, the whole last say ten minutes or so of this film is just one fantastic gore scene after another. Right. Mm-hmm. Wow. And it finally culminates in in a fantastic headshot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. He tries to do it. Blows and in the then... smithereens. Yeah, he blows his head off for him, right? Well, she um, she does it, but he he takes the gun, the barrel of the gun, and puts it up against his head. You know, which right there you see that he has a little bit of humanity left. That is that is the last vestige of his humanity, mm-hmm. saying "end it now" because it's which is ridiculous. Hmm? Our, our our listeners are not that bright. It's the last shred of humanity. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I'm just guessing everyone's like me who listens to this. <laughs> that's a good yeah, that's a good way to think about it, right? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so that's the fly, man. Um, so how do you guys rate this? I feel like Jamie, since this is her, just an, I swear to Christ, a fly just flew past my face. There you go. <laughs> Don't get into a telepod with it. <laughs> I just I grabbed it and it looked like it disappeared, then I opened my hand, it's not in there. <laughs> You're just like seven you it now. <laughs> Wax on. <laughs> Whack off. <laughs> you know what I was thinking that scene? Remember when he caught the fly in his hand? Mm-hmm. When he's sleeping? For some reason, the first time I saw it, I was thinking that his tongue was going to come out like a frog and he was going to eat that <laughs> fucking fly. <laughs> you should have. There should be, yeah. That would have been cool. But then it would be the frog and not the fly, so I guess it wouldn't make sense. The frog. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, uh, Jamie, I feel like everything in, in her retrospective, she's going to give a five out of five. She loves all three of these movies, right? Well, yeah. I mean, how can I not give this anything but? I, I really – I mean, even today, I've already said that the effects hold up beautifully. Um, the story is – I mean, we can all relate on some level, you know. Oh, it's a very scientific it. story, but it really it's about humanity and it's about the loss of I still can't loss relate. of self and the loss <laughs> it's of <a> <laughs> And it's what body horror is about at its at its core, and that is you know the the loss of self and the loss of control of who you are, and it's um, it's frightening. And it's classic for a reason. There are some amazing performances here, some outstanding special effects that that look even better on Blu-ray. You know how a lot of times older films you watch them on Blu-ray and you can kind of see the cracks in the foundation. You can 
you can see the seams, you know. To me, this just highlights, watching this in high definition only highlights everything that's already good about it. So, Like, for example, you could tell it's Ricky in the doorway of Sleepaway Camp. You can, and, and that, that, that kind of hurt my feelings when I, <laughs> when I watched that. <laughs> now I'm going to close my eyes when I see him pops up. Or how about the wrench in Michael Myers in Halloween 1 when he smashes the window, you can see the wrench in his hand now? Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, it does. You, oh, I like blurry, horrible stuff sometimes. Sometimes, yeah, if it helps the, the narrative, you know, of course. Yeah, the believability. You can see Chrissy's snatch and jaws when she's swimming in the ocean. Oh, that's a good thing. <laughs> this is true. Right. I'm, thank you. I'm watching it when I get off tonight. Thank you. It's summertime. I may as well. Yes, I've only watched my Blu-ray once. Thank you, Jamie. Yes. <laughs> Sweet. So, so, Dave, how do you rate this? I'll tell you. I, I, I kind of blew this movie off for years because it was so popular. I thought that it was just one of those movies that everybody just went back to and was a fan of it. So me being the way I am, I I don't want to say intentionally, but it just I, I blew it off. I just like you resisted. I did. I resisted because it was like it was a pop culture horror movie that everybody knew about. So right. how could it be as good as fucking? I stuff? did the same thing with Silence of the Lambs. Right? Oh, that's what a film that is too. But, yeah, but I did it. Though. And I shouldn't have done that. And then when I started watching it again, I had issues with the body horror, as I sometimes do. But the last time, because I had gotten used to it, because I watched it previously, uh, you know, a week before, I said, okay. Uh, I was able to watch it for what it was and see everything, and it's so fucking tight. The narrative, it's so easy to follow. There's not one bad thing about this movie. The music is great. Wow. Really. Every oh, I love the score, love the score. The score is great, yes. And in, in a way, it kind of pays tribute to, like, early horror. It Doesn't it kind of remind you of stuff that from Universal movies, in a way? Oh, sure, like, yeah. Yeah. They did, it was a perfect blend of, like, an old movie and a newer time, at the time, for the 80s, of course. But everything was perfect to perform. His, I'll tell you what, Jeff Goldblum, I don't think he was up for an Oscar, but I think he should have been. Because I thought it was fucking, his performance was tremendous. It really was. It's a fucking great, great movie, and I, I give it five stars. Woohoo! Yay, Dave! Yeah, yeah, I loved it. I give it, I give it four stars. That's it. That's okay. That's great. Yeah, <laughs> I'll take That's it. That's pretty good. I'm not There's nothing wrong with four stars, but you, you... not two. This is Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com with all the skinfo from the latest movies. Newton Theaters, Cameron Diaz co-stars in the raunchy comedy Sex Tape. Cameron slipped nip before in Gangs of New York and Vanilla Sky, but this time, she ends up bearing a butt so nice, she has to show it thrice. After that, sex tapes won't be the only thing leaking. This is the Mr. Skin Minute. Nude on Blu-ray, Olivia Williams co-stars in the Arnold Schwarzenegger flick Sabotage. At the one-hour, three-minute mark, Olivia takes a skinny dip and shows off her right Schwartz and nipple. That thing in your pants? It's not a tumor. Nude on Blu-ray, Jessica Brown Finley, also known as Downton Abbey's Lady Sybil, gets very improper in the miniseries Labyrinth. High society would be shocked when Jessica gets topless and even shows off her Downton assy. Jessica will take you from Downton Flabby to Uptown Chubby. MrSkin.com Fast forwarding to the good parts. I have something to say. I'm, I'm Because I'm so happy to be here in the dungeon for this. And, and, and thanks, guys, for inviting me once again. Because uh, it really opened my eyes to uh, to scanners. 
I've never seen Scanners hey. before, right? So I watched Scanners and fucking loved it. And then I really appreciated The Fly this time and loved it. And I was always a fan of The Brood, as I said earlier. But I went out and I fucking I, – I blind bought Videodrome because they had the Criterion Blu-ray sale. Oh, yeah. Did you watch it yet? No, I didn't watch it yet. Oh, it. I know. I'm going to watch it. But I, I, I bought Scanners on fucking Blue and Videodrome. And I'm telling you, I'll buy all, any Cronenberg movie, I, I think, on Blue right now. Because Yay. he's fucking knocking it out the park. I, I haven't been let down yet. That's but, me. I guess, that means I did my job. Yes. Yeah. It worked for one person. <laughs> Shut up, Alex. You liked them too. I know. Two people. You were. But I got Scanners 2 and 3 on Blu ray. That's the best one ever because they bring it back. Oh, they Part 3 always brings it back. <laughs> That's actually true. If you ever notice any uh, horror or franchise, Part 3 always mimics sort of Part 1 in a lot of ways. I it's know brilliant. you've never heard this story. What? <laughs> but when Friday the 13th... Oh, <laughs> The swing set? The fucking every goddamn show she talks about this. You gotta bring up Friday somehow. We get it, Jamie. You didn't know part two existed. <laughs> no, you knew, but you were too young. So, okay, guys. So we just finished the Cronenberg retrospective. I want to thank Jamie Lloyd myself. Uh, Jamie what's Lloyd? What's your last name? I mean... <laughs> you're bad the fuck is your name? Jenkins. Myself. And say, Jamie, thank you very much for opening me up to Cronenberg. He sounds boring as fuck, but for some reason it's not boring. It just seems boring. But um, Scanners was really good. <laughs> it was really tight. and mo- I liked everything about it, except that the guy wasn't in it enough. And then um, the, the broad was really cool. Uh, that was really like a weird movie, and I liked it. It was, it was tight, and of course, The Fly is great. You're doing a better job at picking things we do than I am. That means a lot coming from a legend. Yeah, hey, listen. <laughs> I might put, I'll bring you under my wing here, Jamie, and say... The fly wing? <laughs> it was a pun. Yes. We chucked my wing. Coming from a, a, a legend like me, it means a lot to say something like that to you. And I know you're probably going to replay this over and over again and put it on a loop and just have it going on and on in your bedroom all night <laughs> that I said this to you. But I want you to remember it, and it's coming from a legend's heart. <laughs> I have a little tear. Now, I will send you an autograph with what I said on that autograph. I will actually quote myself since I'm so profound. Just give it to a I will clutch that in my fingers every night when I'm pleasuring myself. <laughs> and we're supposed to believe she lost the finger speed content. <laughs> right. I bu- I'm buying that one. <laughs> so, there you go. That's that's the Cronenberg retrospective, I guess. What, do, what could we do here, guys? Uh, Want to rank the movies from best to worst? Not, not worst, just best to not best? Wow. You know, as much as I... I don't want to say this because it is the most mainstream of the three that I've chosen for this retrospective. I'm going to have to say that The Fly is my favorite of all three. And then um, I will follow that with Scanners because I love the uh, if for nothing else. I mean, I love the entire movie, but if for nothing else, that amazing head headshot in the very beginning is, is just outstanding. <laughs> and then The Brood. But then, I mean, that's really... They're really kind of neck and neck. You know, I love them all so much. But if I had to rank them, I would say The Fly, Scanners, and The Brood. 
Okay, Dave? Nice. Well, I think a year from now I might have a different uh, answer because I've just like I just I just discovered scanners and I haven't watched my Blu-ray yet and everything else. At this point, I'm going to say The Fly, and I never expected that when I started this. I thought it was going to be brewed all the way because, you know, I, I mentioned before I've seen it before and I like it. But I'll, I'll say The Fly, followed by The Brood, followed by Scanners. But We're all giving in. We're all giving in <laughs> to the mainstream bullshit. Yeah, who would have thought? But it is that damn good. I mean, I guess, well, with mainstream comes money, you know, and, and he he had the budget to do what we knew he could do all along and he just sort of blew it out of the water with a fly you know you can't really help it right you know for me they're all very interchangeable i can't i i i'm not walking away from this retro thinking that there was one definitive greater movie i like that though yeah i mean to me i mean i feel like the way dave said his opinion will change in a year or whatever that's the same with me. I don't think I have a definite. To me, it's interchangeable, guys. So, Yeah, but you like them all, so that's good. Yeah. You know? It's not interchangeable yep. bad. It's interchangeable. I cannot tell good. you how happy I am right now. Yeah, yeah. I'm so was, happy. That's how I was when you liked uh, The Psychos, except for Part 4. <laughs> that's all right, though. I'm glad that you opened my eyes up to how bad it really is. Because uh, I don't have to waste my time. And I don't have to waste my time regardless. Because why would you watch a, a horrible prequel movie when you could just watch Bates Motel? True. Well, that's true. And it plus, changed me too, Jamie, by the way. Fuck. I liked Psycho 4 too. And after listening to the show, I haven't watched it since. And I, I, I always <laughs> liked it. For some reason, it actually worked. You guys talked about it and talked me out of it. I was like, wow. wow. I guess I guess oh, it's okay though. I mean, you know, it's, but Alex, everybody persuades. I still wasn't able to talk you into Texas Chainsaw 2. No, I don't think anybody will because I, <laughs> I gave that a fair shot. I'm always giving stuff fair shots. I don't ever go in there with my hands crossed and looking down my nose at things. Like I don't – or my arms folded and looking down. Like I just don't do that to anything. Um, I might be apprehensive sometimes and think like, oh, this is going to be boring or whatever. But – no, I mean, if you grab me, you do. If you don't, you don't. And that's all there is to it. And I don't know. There are good po- points to Texas Chainsaw 2, but uh, this just a highlight reel to me. I don't think there's like a, a movie there. So I just don't. I don't know. I don't know. Because I like that goofy shit. Like, I love House and Ghoulies too. And Evil Dead 2. That's so weird. Yeah. Wow. I don't. I don't know why I don't get that movie. It's just weird. And I love Bill Mosley. Well, he he's the saving grace for that entire movie. He's the best part of that movie, bar none. Yeah. You know? It's not enough for me. Yep. No. So, I don't know. I don't know. I might not ever get it. We've so. done our jobs. Each one of us, on this show and other shows, and we've done a lot of persuading each other and opening each other's eyes. And obviously, if we've done it for each other, we've done it for people that listen, too. So, that's what's great, you know? That so. makes me happier than anything. If I can suggest nice. something that then someone else will, will come to love and appreciate is even a little bit as much as I do, then I feel like I have done something worthwhile. It's great. We did it with the scene series with, with some of the movies. Yeah. That's how I feel. I didn't wasn't I didn't bother watching. Right. Them. Yeah. <laughs> and then you watched them and then, then you know, now you like some of them. But, I have a fucking ranking now. Yeah. So so that's cool. And wait till we do our, you know, 
wait till we start rolling through the 70s and I throw a few of our generals at you. And then we'll see. And, you know, right? See? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sending some of our generals Alex's way for sure. Yeah. 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 Cool. <laughs> All right. Well, that was Cronenberg. Jamie, thank you again. We hope you enjoyed. All right, guys. Well, have a good night. This is Alex. And Jamie. Hey. And and thanks, guys. Thanks. It's Dave. So. Dave Z. Yay, Dave. Thank you for joining us. Oh, and thank you for having me. I'm so glad. Fucking, yes. Glad to be here and glad to be part of that whole number. So thanks again, guys. <laughs>